0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are exploring the pernicious effects of rape culture in schools with consent on Channel 4, breaking into comedy in 1960s Blackpool with Gemma Arterton in Funny Woman on Sky, and breaking into a vault in 1980s London with The Gold on BBC One. Plus, we're joined by Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that is all twos this week as we, in the second month of this year, dive into podcast 222. Two, two. And fittingly, I am in fact joined by two colleagues, Kay Ribera and Boyd Hilton, both of whom are very hot and sweaty. How are you in this very unair conditioned studio that we find ourselves in?
1: Well, it is ridiculously hot un- and sweaty. It's also a slightly, slightly tinny sound. Yeah, it mean, sounds weird. It's a professional radio studio. You'd think, I noticed Simon Mayo's bins is gone somewhere else to do the drive time mm-hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't work with that air conditioning. On great, no, I'm greatest it's radio, but we are, we, we don't care. We're soldiering on, yeah. okay, well, looking at me. you
2: say that, well, I think I'm five seconds away from my face fully melting off. Yeah. Okay.
1: yeah. Oh, just I've got, I've got a see. can of Coke
0: here that I'm not drinking, I'm just rubbing it mm. across my chest suggestively <laughs> as I host the podcast. I Abs-
2: know, oh, this is what we, this is, this is for how bad it's got. Is. For Pilot
0: Plus Plus, this, you'll get the video feed. This is our first naked podcast, first one we've ever done completely nude. <laughs> HR. New. Uh, if you are a Pilot Plus subscriber, you can dial into the live feed now at onlyfans.com slash pilot TV. That's and, uh, worth
2: more than one ninety <laughs> nine a month. It is frankly. Worth More than one ninety yeah.
0: nine yeah. a month. I mean it, it's a very it's, specialist market. It American is fans. a very specialist market. Yeah. 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 Middle aged bald men rubbing and diet cokes all over their yeah. naked bodies. Help us. Bring
2: fans in.
0: It's yeah, it's so so in case you're wondering, we uh uh, we're not in a regular studio, we're in another one, which is why the bell end filter is back on the microphone. But also, all the air conditioning is broken in all the studios mm. on this floor and we couldn't get another it's, studio so we're just having to, to press on
1: it's a bower radio emergency situation it,
0: is. it uh,
1: is yeah so maybe if you sacrifice one of us yeah save the whole of bower radio like knock at the door N- you know knock, knock at the door, door. Yeah. knock at the door turn yeah. up at the cabin yeah yeah, yeah. and one it, of us it's a knock sacri- out the cabin that yeah, one yeah exactly and then <laughs> then the then the air conditioner will come back and rule. i'll
2: sacrifice myself That's how, you know, we'll i mean i was going to sacrifice
1: yeah. you too so that, that works out quite well of course you were yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> Why have you got the Diet Coke now under your armpit? <laughs>
0: well, because I figure like that that will cool me down. Because don't you have like like, like your pulse
2: point? No, do it over your pulse point there. Do it, we my don't wrist. need to have it under your armpit. My wrist. I
0: think it's really? not a look. If I, <laughs> I, mean, sticking it down my pants is probably worse. Oh like, I'm, I'm just saying, it's really, really hot in here, and <laughs> at this point, I'm not prepared to rule anything out. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but hot. what have you guys been up to? What've you been up to? What's this week held Not here? even what we've been watching. You just no, don't know no what just what to. you've been up to. God, God he's you've really gone off
2: wow, pins. Yeah, we're really never has. allowed to talk about What's stuff yeah. outside of the tell TV us, world. Tell us, what have you been doing? Uh, you go first, Boydo.
1: Oh, um... <laughs> Okay. Well, I was going to talk about what I've been watching, which is the actual... Boy, it doesn't do anything but watch TV. Mm. Like, I mean, that's basically... So what have you been doing is basically is the same as what you've been watching. I've had a much more relaxing week after last week's double whammy of Sarah Michelle Geller and um, Helena Bonham Carter. The, the, oh, that's right. Yeah. You spoke to Sarah Michelle Geller independent. So you didn't do the podcast no. interview,
0: but you yeah. did speak to her independently. I did, yeah. did you, uh Did you express your admiration for the wonder that of is Wolfpack?
1: of course. <laughs> <laughs> I um well no, but um <laughs> I did I did like it more than you I mean I liked it more than pretty much everyone yeah. it, genuinely. Yeah. I did I did enjoy it perfectly well. But the response from the crowd, which was of influencers, um, was astonishing. Like she is an absolute goddess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to, yeah, to the cult uh, figure. Yeah, more than like just an amazingly admired figure for there, So they to see them how excited they were was quite quite exciting. It was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but the showrunner of pack Jeff Davis, wasn't a delightful guy. Massive Empire fan, Empire magazine fan. He's read Empire like more Awkward. or less from as soon as he, yeah as soon as <laughs> he could find it. Um, was talking about you know how in what ways it's been talking about all the other magazines that that we both we bonded over growing up reading like Fangoria mm. and cine Fantastique. Yes, mm. brilliant kind of genre-based film magazines. That were Starburst was the British one, and I read all those magazines when I was growing up. Starburst, which of course used to be called uh, Opal Fruits. Exactly, yes, exactly. So, um, f- but generally they were both delightful. So, yeah, you should feel guilty about not liking their show. Wolfpack.
0: Yes, I, I should be. I should feel guilty that their show is bad. Yeah. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and
1: then Helen Bonham Carter the next day in Nolly, and as oh, we speak, it's Nolly Day today. It's Nolly Day, second mm. uh, of February. She was one of the greatest people ever.
2: You were nervous about getting the name wrong, weren't you? Her
1: yeah, name. Which I actually said to her. I actually said to her, by the way, I did Sir Michelle Geller last night. Uh, if I call you Sir Michelle Geller, accidentally at one point in this Q&A, please forgive me. And she said, Can call me whatever the fuck you want. It's fine.
2: What a brilliant so, response. Yeah,
1: she was amazing. That is very Helena Bonham very Carter. Very HBC, yeah. So yeah. now I'm a huge HBC fan. HBC and RTD together. Completely. I consider her to be one of my best friends. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much more or less. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that. So, but this week I haven't really done, had any uh, major... Um,
2: well, the train strike's been on, I've been...
1: Yeah. It's been a bit of a week, hasn't it? Yeah. have yeah, plenty
2: of time to watch TV, so...
1: Yeah. Okay, well, this is good, this is good. Loads of time to watch TV. I was just looking at my diary to remind myself cuz <laughs> I have not think this week Boyd has just like got
2: that. out his file facts. Yeah. So
0: again and I'm going to I'm going to emphasize this if you're wondering what the fuck is going in this absolute ramshackle nonsense shambles mm. it's like listening to the Empire podcast. Uh it's because it's very very warm in here. Mm. Just yes. just you know bear with us. Oh, I was saw the doctor about my high blood pressure which I
1: mentioned Oh the my god. I mean, okay. I, right. Okay. <laughs> Haven't I mentioned the high blood pressure? On? Yes, you I have. Mean, when I said, "How are you going?" I didn't. I didn't. No, reach. this isn't. Please give me a full medical history. Yeah. No,
2: listen, we need this. We don't want him to conk out. Yeah, what getting, was the update? It's,
1: it's getting better. On the pills I'm on are working. Okay. Good. I that's don't right. imagine the heat in here is going to help. No, that's true. Keep okay. hydrated. This is, this is a bit like a, you know um, people who do parodies of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is <laughs> this, is this is it. This is like <laughs> a parody. Oh, We've got full bullshit. partridge. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find if
0: we're going to do that. I was I was on a mental health podcast this week talking about stress and mental health and and all sorts of things and using escapism like TV as a coping. Mechanism. Oh, it was quite nice. It genuinely... was the, the After Hours Lounge podcast uh, with Sandy Clunas, very, very lovely man. And uh, we had a big chat. He's a big fan of the podcast. He listens to this well, very I'm podcast. Friends. So, oh, it, is Sandy. Is
1: that a podcast about mental health issues? Yes.
0: It? Oh, yes, okay. it is. It's a oh, podcast that's... about mental health. And for reasons, obviously, that will make no sense to me, but will make a lot of sense to everyone listening to this, he asked if I wanted to come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I, I had a good time. A good time was had by me. And uh, and yeah, we chatted all sorts of stuff. It was quite interesting. So uh, I'm genuinely fun. interested in that. Okay. There you go. Mm. You can to it and you can, you, can, you can mock me for it next week
1: so fine or should we get on to what we've been watching yeah, or come, yeah. on? come on okay fine I finished Lockwood & Co which okay. we reviewed oh. uh, yeah lovely. was it good fantastic absolutely brilliant um, I really liked the first episode when we reviewed it I've seen the first two I think when we reviewed it maybe even three but it really gets going I mean, it gets, really gets going, like episode four, I would say, onwards. They've just done a really, really good job. I've seen people on Twitter going who are into that kind of YA, you know, those books and everything, saying it is one of the best of all of these types of adaptations mm. of a YA mm. Fantasy, horror, whatever you want to have call Netflix it. Have Netflix announced the cancellation yet? Or? <laughs> they have not, no. Okay, good to know. Be, and it went to number one in the Netflix chart. Yep. So, you know, hopefully they will they will recommission it. Please, God. That was great. Because they've never knowingly commissioned a bad show, apparently. Oh, so uh, well, that's, that's yeah, that's good. right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> apparently. I've watched more Maternity, which we also reviewed. Maternal? Is it maternal? or yeah. Maternal. I think it's maternal. It's maternal. Isn't it? It's maternal. Is it maternal. Yeah. Oh, God, that's difficult name. I think I have got that wrong in the review that I've just written for e Magazine. Okay, k. let's watch. Let's look out for that later. But it's really, really good. Like fantastic. I was talking to Russell T Davis. I was about to say. Playing. He tw- he Instagrammed about it and saying how much he liked it. You know? Yeah, and we were talking about it um, when I when I saw him last week, and he's right. It's just like a massive breath of fresh air. Um, exactly what ITV, two, ITV should be showing and commissioning. Because it's very contemporary, very relevant. But just, it's it's just, I think you really have to, you can easily underestimate how skillful it is to make dialogue, uh, which is obviously quite jargon-filled about medical mm. stuff, seem completely real and authentic. And also, when in their private lives, whatever's going on in their lives seem real as well. And she's just done a brilliant job, I think, Jackie, uh, the, 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 the writer. Um, so I'm really impressed with that. And finally... I have Servant, the most underrated show on TV. You finished seven. No, I've got up to episode seven. Okay. So when I've re- I reviewed it for Empire Magazine, this this fourth and final yeah. season, I'd only had three episodes to watch initially. Apple only made three available to watch, which I'm getting is because of the complicated effects work and stuff. And they now put seven up. And I think in real life, they've just shown episode four, as we speak... And I have to say, it's such a brilliant show. It, it's, I, I, I mean, I know you've reviewed the film, didn't you, An Empire Red? I reviewed Knock not, in the Cabin, yes. And it is the best film he's done for a long while. Yeah, It's still not as good as Servant. Servant is phenomenal. And there's an episode coming, episode six of this season, which is A Kid's Party. It's so funny. And you know what I think makes it particularly his best thing? is that is the sense of humour. It's got a really brilliantly dark, perverse sense of humour. And the children's party episode, where everything goes... They have like an animal... You know when they bring animal chambers in with snakes (laughs) and goats? (laughs) And I'll let you you imagine what happens in this episode where they fucking... Everything goes horribly wrong. And like, they make a cake. And uh, it's just brilliantly funny and startlingly awful and sick and twisted at the same time. And that... Mixture of sick and twisted and funny, I think is Shyamalan at his best. I think that's what he does best. Mm. When you look back at those moments when you go where suddenly you see his sense of humor. He was in, he was on Graham Norton show last week. And I think my only issue with um knock at the cabin, knock at the wood, knock at the <laughs> knock at the wood, <laughs> knock, 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 knock at the door, wood at the cabin. <laughs> it's just slightly humorless. And I, and obviously The scenario is unbelievably intense and all that. And he does a brilliant job, as you said in a review, of of ratcheting up the tension. The one thing I think it is lacking is a bit of humour. It's a bit of like that really, really twisted. And Servant does it so brilliantly. It's an object lesson in how to get that tone right. And I know he's got all of these different people, including his own daughter, directing and writing for it. But somehow he's done an amazing job as, I think, the overall showrunner of quarrelling them all and making sure they all stick to this great tone. And visually, it's spectacular as well. So I'm really loving Servant. It may well end up being, you know, again, when, when it fits three more episodes to go uh, until it finishes for good, one of my favorite things, certainly of the year, and definitely my favorite Emily Light like Shyam- Shyaman thing of all. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Even better than Unbreakable, says yeah,
0: Boyd. I think so. RTD also very much enjoyed The Last of Us. He's watching that oh, and loving it. And he. Yeah. made another post when the famous third episode came out. Completely. We'll be on the fourth by the time this one goes out.
1: Yeah. Well, Peter Hoare, as i mentioned many times before, he's a scene director, directed it. Indeed. Um, and he was thrilled, and I said to him, he was at the q and A I I did with Alan Bon Carter, and he's just overwhelmed with the response. I mean, can you imagine? You know, he got the episode to direct. Yeah. And it's, people are literally saying it's the best hour of TV ever, which we're going to get to later, yeah. I know. And we can, I mean, it's not. Um, it, no, it's, it's not. But it's, over the But it's,
0: it's a very, very, uh, very good hour It's
1: very, Exactly, yeah.
0: It's uh, no, it's good stuff. Love that, and mm-hmm. if you want to hear more about that, then subscribe to Pilot Plus, and you can listen to our Last of Us episodes one to three spoiler special, with our rest of season spoiler special coming very soon. Uh, so that's exciting. Hey, what have you been watching?
2: I have been watching two documentaries. One is Pamela Anderson, A Love Story on Netflix.
0: Oh, yes.
2: Which, unlike the Hulu, Pam and Tommy was made with her permission and feels much less exploitative just on that basis. And it's basically her chance to tell her own story in her own words. It's just really fascinating. And she's a really eloquent, honest woman who just, you know, she talks us through her very full and eventful and quite traumatic at times life so you know from her childhood when she was abused and raped as young girl through you know her tumultuous marriage with Tommy all that kind of stuff who was the love of her life but she was repeating the patterns of um, her father um, who was a bit of a bad boy but also you know the the fact that she did Playboy and she's really like just frank about that and says actually that was my way of taking back my power my sexuality and control over my body it was just so i don't know it was really it felt empowering it also felt sad and you know largely because you see that she's been exploited so much by different people mostly men in her life yeah but, yeah it was really i really found it interesting and i'd recommend for anyone who's watched the hulu pam and tommy to get her perspective on everything so that was the first thing and the second one emily a Tech asking for it on bbc
0: yes right i really want to watch that
2: I urge everyone listening to please watch this documentary. It'll be on iPlayer. I think it's so important that everyone watches it. And I actually feel like it should be shown in schools, like um, excerpts of it in schools to young boys particularly and and young women to kind of just watch. I mean, Emily Atack has been through, I mean, she's worked really hard and campaigned for, um, about The fact that, you know, many women receive and girls receive unsolicited sexual images, sexual messages and stuff. And she's gone to Parliament. She's debated it. She's worked with Grazia magazine to do, you know, launch a campaign. But this documentary was so hard hitting and shocking. You know, it opens up and she instantly says, you know, every day she wakes up to pictures of men's penis that she has not asked to see. And she goes through all the like, I think, a week she'll get something like 37, 47 messages. She'll read them out. I mean, they are sexually explicit, aggressive sometimes messages. It is so shocking and distressing to see what she goes through and the impact it's had on her and her life. And, you know, that she talks to her family. And she hasn't ever really spoken to her parents about what the messages say. So we see her talking to her. Her dad reads them. Her mum can't bear it. Um, gets really emotionally distressed about what her daughter's going through. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Like, she talks to schoolgirls and she finds out that as young as 12, 13 girls are receiving these kind of messages and have decided not to post pictures of themselves in their school uniforms because they get more men contacting Mm. them and shit like that. But yeah, there's, there's so many fascinating things. She also talks to a group of men about why you know, it happens. And, like, these aren't guys particularly who have sent these kind of messed dick pics and stuff like that, but they were, just made the point that, well, because men can, and they get away with it. And it's just so grotesque and awful that everyday women are having to go through this. And really sad just to see her, you know, and she, you know, People say to her, this is obviously what's so galling. is that oh, you put bikini pictures up and you talk about your sex life. So basically you're asking for it. And it's like, what the fuck? What, you know, what mm. world and planet are you fucking living in that that is acceptable? But yeah, I think she's really brave to have done it. And it's really good. And she said, actually, the messages have kind of got worse since she's done
0: it. Oh, I have no doubt.
2: And she asked, you know, the people that send these messages, can you... Explain why you do it. Not even come on camera. Can you yeah. do it? And suddenly, you know, they lose their voice. They're big men and really strong and powerful behind their, you know, their phones and keyboards, but refuse to like give her an answer. And yeah, so I just, I, I really urge everyone if you if you feel so inclined to watch it because it is just a lesson of what's happening these days to young girls, women,
0: and when and where does it air?
2: It's, it's been on it's been on this the week that we're recording it okay and it's on available on iPlayer
0: on iPlayer
1: yes and that is
0: asking for it with Emily Atak
2: mm.
1: she uh, was also on I saw her on um, uh, this morning She was talking about it on this morning. She was was really interesting.
0: She's, yeah. It's a theme we're going to be coming back to on this particular episode Uh, of the podcast. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, when we talk about consent on Channel 4. Yes, quite a sobering subject. I agree. I very much am going to watch that and I think everyone should watch it as well. Anything else you would like to add, Kay? Or is that your...
2: No, it was just hard-hitting documentaries for me this week.
0: And now I try and pivot from that to jokes about Carnival Row. (laughs) Let's see what I can do there. (laughs) So what have I been watching? So I have been continuing to watch Extraordinary, which is indeed extraordinary. Extraordinary. Uh, it's, now you're
2: self parodying.
0: It's just, I am, it's true. Uh, it's just so funny. There's a bit when uh, the bunch of uh, vigilantes who've decided they're only going to help women in a way that is in no way creepy and call themselves the lady helpers, which again <laughs> is in no way creepy. Uh, and yet it still manages to be extremely well observed and very, very funny. Uh, I am two episodes away from the end now. Uh, I'm enjoying that enormously. So that's great. But this week was a difficult week for me. Because I was sent screeners for both the new season of Picard and the new season of oh, Carnival yeah. Row
1: and it was yeah. like Sophie's choice like, this, what do I do we got
2: yeah. this giddy text from him didn't we <laughs> <Yeah. We're laughs>
0: I know so it's, like, it's the greatest week
1: yeah um, which one should you watch neither and focus on the things for this week
0: yeah well, I know. And, I know. This, and this is the fundamental problem that's literally what I had to do I had so much to watch this week and we got a live show an Empire live show tonight which recording tonight. we're so I had so much stuff to watch I've not been able to get into Picard let me, sorry let me just upsetting. reach for
2: my little violin <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I did watch an episode of Carnival Row I obviously can't talk about that we'll be talking about that next week but you know will we I know I literally was about to say oh god will we <laughs> well we'll see we'll you see. will be clear yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean that's but, obvious uh, so, so yeah so I have exciting things so it's more what I've not been watching what I could be watching what I should be watching but I'm in fact not watching <laughs> uh, so yeah hopefully I'll get into Picard then. but I've, you know I've seen people who have seen the Picard screeners people have tweeted about them the whole next gen crew is back so you know it bodes well I will hmm. report back I will reward back. I'm, right.
2: trying be, okay. I'm
0: trying to be supportive, going, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. like I care. Kate's like, mm, yeah, couldn't, couldn't care less. <laughs> See, Kate, you, you may mock, but I'm going to make you watch both of these for next week, <laughs> oh, so you're going to have to get God. on with it. Uh, right, I'm let's let's God move on. There'll
1: be some new shows that are on this, yeah. thing, that arrive uh, all of
2: a sudden. <laughs> come, on, come on, script writers. You'll
1: have to try
0: extremely hard to knock Carnival Row and Christ. Picard off the list. Right, let's move on to this week's listener question. And this week's listener question, which is a very topical one, as Boyd has alluded to, comes from Annika Ruff. And uh, Annika says... What is the best single hour of TV you have watched? It doesn't have to be the best telly show, just an episode that touched, shocked, or amazed you. My vote goes to the Game of Thrones episode, The Long Night, or the season one finale of Severance. Uh, And obviously this is off the back of the most recent episode of The Last of Us, uh, the third episode, which everyone, well, not everyone, everyone is saying it's brilliant, but some people have said it is the greatest TV show or the greatest hour of TV ever made. Calm Calm down. Calm down. But it's very, very good. It is very, very good. So, So, let's hear it what what are the greatest or in your opinion your favorite what are the best single episodes of this this is, this is a very first, big question you go first Kay. you will be judged for whatever you say <laughs> yeah.
2: okay i'm going to go with something that's cause it's fresh in my mind okay. happy valley okay and i'm going take your cast your minds back to series one episode four okay and if you don't know what that is just by me saying that then Remind are you me. really a fan <laughs> uh, no
0: well the I'd say the episode titles of Happy Valley need work I would say like <laughs> series one episode four is maybe the catchiest or sort of most
1: mnemonic worthy mm. title is Come that on. the one where Catherine Kaywood saves the woman in the... Yes, yes. Boyd, see, yes. it was enough
2: <sighs> for Boyd. Well yeah. done, top that of the well class.
0: Yeah. Is, is... He saves Anne Gallagher. Yes. She saves Anne Gallagher. Yeah, that is and the best
2: episode. It, and it's just, it's incredible because, uh, you know, Tommy's out of the house, Anne's locked in the cupboard, uh, the downstairs in the basement. Catherine sees the lock on the door, starts asking mm. questions, the attention's ratcheting up. His druggy mum is like, oh yeah, he's got a dog in there. She's like... When did you last hear the dog, and then she realizes, and she breaks the door down. She gets Anne, but Tommy comes back, so the tension is just unbearable. She gets a, a good pace; he gives a good pasting, yeah, yeah. beats her up, black and blue, and then she pepper sprays him. And it's Anne who heroically like saves Catherine from the house, drags her out with all her might, and is finally rescued. And you think there's justice, but obviously this is Tommy Lee Royce we're talking about. He scarpers, but it was just. A brilliant hour of TV, and it's hard to choose with Sally Wainwright's episodes of Happy Valley because they're all great. But yeah, for me, that's the one that will always stay in my mind as being a great
1: hour. Yeah, that absolutely that was that was like the game changer, wasn't it? I think of that of the series. I mean, it was brilliant to start with, but that was, and I think that was the first episode that Sally Wainwright directed herself. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so from memory. Um, Yeah, spectacular. Yeah, and the the point is very relevant that everyone's going understandably mad for the episode. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's it called again? The Last of Us. The Last of Us. Yes. Yes. See, my brain is turned to jelly. It's, it's, it's very I'm hot. It's very hot. I'm blaming the heat rather than it's my early exhaustion. onset dementia. you yeah.
2: don't have early onset dementia, stop saying that. No.
1: <laughs> and um, because Happy Valley is better. Right? Yeah. That's the bottom line. How about, you? better? I even mean, better than The Last of Us. Let's even British, better, yes. There's so no even need better. to compare the two. <laughs> well, there is because we've been asked the question what is the best hour in Happy Valley as a better hour of TV, I would say, and, and the one that came <laughs> to go into it. it and may, well, maybe the finale will be even better.
2: I, I mean. also just remembered what's the episode of Line and Duty where Doc, um Jimmy do smashed through the window?
1: Yeah, incredible. In the yeah. interview I, room, that yeah. was that Season was phenomenal. Three finale, I think. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I I, I had that on my list as well.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. That's me. I'm done.
1: You do like a one and out, don't you? You literally give Ooh. one answer. Yeah, that's it. very, very economical. You yeah. get one answer from like, me. You don't pay me enough to give yeah. you two. I'm kind of in the middle. I'll come up with three or four. James has like 10. <laughs> I do have a <laughs> list. <laughs> that's the way it works. I have a list. You'd be lucky Listen, if it's 10. It's at unless, least 25. Unless,
2: 25. unless you want to roast alive in this room, I urge you <laughs> okay. to, you know.
1: Well, I've got a short Just t- update
0: scale update. Back. You may have heard here whilst you're talking about. I've now oh, opened God. the can of coke. Can I just but say, I
1: do, like the fizzy sound, that it should do.
0: It did God. fizz a little bit. I was oh, trying to do it quietly while you were talking because listen. I got tired of rubbing it over my chest. Yeah. I'm now going to drink the coke. Be-
2: before this, he was um, like wiping it on. He was like holding it to his neck like a Victorian lady. Had to be oh, said. I was, I was and like, then I was like, I
0: need my salts. <laughs>
2: It was like the reverse Diet Coke ad. It had the reverse effect on everyone in the
0: room. <laughs> it it's, it's Diet Coke and Clark. I'm like rubbing the can over my <laughs> yeah. sweaty body in case like, I'm yeah. going
1: to be sick. I'm yes. going to be sick.
2: Absolutely going to vomit on my keyboard. Anyway, sorry, Boyday. Carry on.
1: Uh, right. So my list, my shorter list than whatever James is going to come up with, starts with the leftovers. And I've picked... Can I guess the episode? Go on, yeah. Can I guess the episode? Yeah. Is it? Is it the International Assassin episode? No. It's not? No. No, mm. well, I mean that is amazing. Yeah,
0: because uh, that one has the penis shelf, which is does. one of the greatest moments in television 100%. history. Penis
1: <laughs> shelf. Uh, but this oh one, yeah, this one, James, has a hedonistic cult on board a ship. They they worship mm. a lion named Frazier for oh, mass copulation.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's an amaz- That's from yeah. season three, isn't it? Season three, yeah,
1: episode five. It's a Matt 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 world, <laughs> uh, which focused on the character of Matt, played absolutely. Um, amazingly, by Christopher Eccleston. And it's astonishing. It's an astonishing... It's very good. Yeah, so that's my favorite episode. And funnily enough, Patrick Somerville, who um, joined the writing team I uh, just started tweeting about the show again, Let's for some reason. Yeah, like kind of tweeting little clips and um, little insights into the show. So that's kind of... Everyone should have a look at Patrick Somerville's um, Twitter, Twitter feed. Okay, if okay. You're a fan good of to know. Yeah. Then elsewhere, I've got Cucumber... And I always go on about this. Oh, uh, yeah. Gonna, yeah, Cucumber episode six, everyone, which is the episode of Russell T. Davis' brilliant series about gay men. The character of Lance, played by Cyril Henry. It's, it, it begins with... The title card says his his birth and death. And so you're like, you're, you you understand that he's going to be killed off in this episode, but then it's a kind of, it goes through the whole of his life. Basically. In, one in, a, in, in one episode? Wow. Yeah. In one in episode, in an hour-long episode. And how it ends up is unbelievably brilliantly done. It's like, it's overwhelmingly moving and intense. And, and you know, one of the best hours of TV ever, for sure. Definitely one of the best things that Russell T. Davis has ever done. Similarly, I've done Russell's best episode of Doctor Who, for me, is Midnight, which i also gone about quite a lot, which was with Leslie Sharp. And it's the one where Leslie they're on a kind of, like a space-age taxi, basically, kind of a, a group group. Coach trip, if you like, yeah. and she repeats what everyone else in this in this place <laughs> says instantly. She kind of say, she somehow says what they're saying instantly, and it's a really creepy idea. And it's a brilliant kind of one-off episode that does almost standalone. Episode I thought you meant like David a Tennant.
2: second after they said it in an annoying way that made me. Laugh. No, it
1: is like that. It's, it is like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it, and it is annoying, but like you know, fascinating and infuriating. It's a new
2: actually. technique I might use to wind you up. Oh later. yeah, I'm
1: sure you will. Yeah. Mm. So that's my favorite Russell T Davis episode of Doctor, and one of my favorite out. That's like a 45 minute episode, I think. I was I was going to question how literally we wanted to take the question an hour, an exact hour of no, TV. No, because of course, frankly, the last that episode, us, yeah, it's right. not an hour, exactly. it's about an hour and 15. Yeah, right. indeed. So they can either be shorter or longer. The Office Finale, of
2: course. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. Flawless.
1: Yeah. Flawless in every single mm-hmm. way. Never seen it. Of course, you've never seen Have it, you...
2: yeah, because you're
1: a twat. Have you seen any of
0: it? I've seen. I think two episodes of The Office. You can't the first do two.
1: cringe comedy, cave, yeah. I could make Engage with cringe comedy. So, I mean, it's little, I've seen like, more episodes of Extras than I have of. Uh, and there you go. Yeah, of the Office. Like, it's like that ninety percent of comedy. <laughs> really. So yeah. he's, he's ruled out. Sorry. The OA, of course, season two finale. I mean, it's in my top Your five. Your fave. Yeah. The Sopranos I've gone for Pine Barons. yeah I mean first base yeah. choice but sure I know but it just is a brilliant episode <laughs> it is an amazing it's very Coen Brothers very Coen Brothers absolutely fantastic so I'll leave it there they're, they're my that's my kind of like five six show, uh, shows yeah
0: Okay, that's good. That's mm. Better it's better value us. for money than K's, but uh, it's good, it's good.
1: Yeah.
2: Listen, it's, not about, it's now, not about quantity, yet. It's quality, no, it's about is what quantity. you're saying. Yeah.
1: Now, but, you say that, but now let's set aside the next two hours <laughs> for <James laughs> the Look, I couldn't, the I, I
0: whittled it down as much as, oh, The Expanse. Oh, no. man, I think no. for the Expanse. Why would you say that? Uh, no, oh, I mean, God. obviously every episode of The Expanse will be on here, but no, it's The Expanse does not make it. So I was thinking, right, what are the shows that, for me, I just like I, when they finished, I was just like... Wow, that just made me take a beat. Yeah. And I would say, so from Breaking Bad, it would be Mandius, which is again the obvious one, Ryan yeah. Johnson director one, one of the Ryan Johnson director ones, uh, and Felina, the finale of Breaking Bad as well. That was another yeah. one where I just kind of stared
1: like, into BB.
0: space and was like, wow. Yeah.
1: Um, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal. And particularly because it was the finale. Yeah. Like. And we just sat there, you know, when Baby Blue is playing yeah. and you're just yeah. like, wow one of the machine gun thing goes right, yeah that's
0: astonishing it's the reflection of himself in the in the yeah, yeah it's it's very very good yeah. but beyond that so game of thrones there were a number of game of thrones ones oh i
1: mean I must have actually deleted that from my list because I had the. Of course, I. Have oh, well, what, which way. one did you have? Well, I, again, first base. What do you call it? What was the phrase um, of the base. obvious choice? Yeah, well, the first base choice? Um, yeah, is you know. the reigns of Castamere. yeah, which is the, re- the red, 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 red wedding. wedding. Episode, How annoying yes. it must they be? Like, they didn't call it the red wedding, yeah, because everyone calls it the red wedding. K, but it's actually. But then I guess
0: it would have that would have telegraphed it a little bit, wouldn't it? If you'd said it's oh. called the red wedding, I wonder it could, if something good happens. It could have been
1: a wedding <laughs> themed around the color red. Could it? I mean, yeah. I mean, it could have been, but I think maybe. I mean, it just is the best episode. Are you going to pick? another one I am going to pick another one yes yes that's a good
0: one Battle of the Bastards is another good one yeah Uh, a Night of the Seven Kingdoms from the final season I think is a glorious episode because it brings all the characters together in a way that you really really want but for me it's the Winds of Winter which is the one where first of all because I think the musical cues both for the beginning and the end of that episode are Unbelievable! The actual trap, the Winds of Winter, which is when mm-hmm. Danny sets sail for Westeros. So that's like the beginning of the end. But it's the beginning. It's when Cersei, you know, when Cersei takes care of all family business. It's the Godfather finale of oh, Game of Thrones, yeah. where she's standing there. And obviously, they had that wonderful piece of mu- music, the ones for about ten minutes, called Light of the Seven Kingdoms. It's piano based and it's the only time in the whole of Game of Thrones they use a piano it's a very deliberate choice it's an instrument they never employ Ramin Djawadi specifically avoided it for that one piece
1: Fantastic fact
0: he led with the piano and it just plays out it plays out and it builds and builds and then the Choral bits come in, this choir swells up, and then there's the explosion as the wildfire just mm-hmm. takes the Sept of Baylor and it is absolutely magnificent. And I remember at the end, I'd just be like,
3: "Holy shit!"
0: <laughs> incredible episode of television. I would say 33 if I were to pick a Battlestar Galactic episode, which is the first episode of the show proper, not the miniseries. It's one where they have to jump yeah. every 33 minutes.
1: Yeah, that is a brilliant episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's an incredible episode. That was TV. the episode
1: that, that actually won me over. Yeah, yeah. I had- Same
0: because, like, the miniseries I was a little right. bit, yeah, yeah, could have gone back and forth on them. When I saw this, I said, No, this is genius. Yeah, now if we're going to go West Wing, if we're going to go West Wing, of course, we are. I'm not going to go for more, like one of my favorite episodes, like, which would be like Celestial Navigation, which I think is brilliant because it's e- the comedy and that is just wonderful. Uh, 20 hours in America is another one I think is amazing, but I'm going to be first base. I'm going to say it's two cathedrals, two cathedrals, <laughs> two cathedrals, yeah. Uh, but two cathedrals is, is that's yeah, proper it, special talent, yeah. This is very, very good. Um, I'm gonna go for a left a left field choice now.
1: Oh there's more. Mm. Oh okay. We're about halfway through the list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So 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 Red Dwarf. Oh the episode (laughs) marooned. Which I think now you've lost. It's from me. series three. Could be series four. I think it's series three.
1: I mean, you would thought you'd have checked. It's not. You'd it's think not, I would have checked. Time.
0: But I, you know, I didn't have that kind of time. <laughs> but I, I. So it's the one where Rimmer and Lister get marooned on an ice planet, and it's just about the two of them. So all like cats gone, Crichton's gone. It's not about anyone else. It's just about those two characters. And let's be honest, Red Dwarf. The heart of Red Dwarf was the dynamic from the very beginning. It was Rimmer and Lister and how they sort of like against each other. Yeah, let's be honest. We'll always be honest. We'll that be honest episode like so. is <laughs> we'll a masterclass in in. Relating characters together and just mm. drawing the comedy out of them, and it's so funny, and it's bittersweet, and it's wonderful. I
1: mean, and it is it's my down favorite episode. The half-hour sitcom read, then I could just reel off episodes of Seinfeld, The Competition, obviously. You I know, mean, I stuck to the hour-long. But mm. I am master question. of my own domain, and that's I'm going to continue true. with my list here. Fair enough. Uh, How many episodes of Red
0: Dwarf have you watched, K? Just out of interest.
2: Oh God, uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway. I am not shocked. Yeah, uh, Fleabag series two, oh, episode one. Now you're yeah, the dinner good. party. Now yeah,
1: you're yeah,
0: yeah. Yes. That do you remember that when we is, reviewed that, And we were like, that was yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah,
0: all yeah, set that, in that, that restaurant,
1: phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, incredible.
0: And it was the first time, obviously, we
1: see Hot Priest as well. The introduction of Hot yes. Priest. Yeah, yes. that is a magnificent episode. My favourite fact, which I've probably trotted out before about that, is when I saw the when they did the Q and A for that episode at the BFI, and uh, Phoebe Walleridge was talking about how they didn't want. The character, this hot priest character was introduced in an episode, wasn't they? Yeah. And initially in the script, it called for someone to call him a C word. Mm.
2: Mm.
1: Cunt. Thank you, Boyd, <laughs> for yeah. spelling Clarifying. that out. Clarinet. Yeah, clarinet. And, and the, yeah. <laughs> um, the people, the BBC people said, oh, we'd rather not use, use that word. So her, our solution to that was for the person to call him a paedophile. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's and a that good fact like,
1: yeah, yeah all the other way around one of the two it was the um, other way around, other way around. I mean, yeah so initially I, yes.
0: I, as I recall yes. it's Hot Priest talking about someone else. Yes. It might be his brother or someone like That's that. Right. It's someone else. And, brother, and he was going to say my a brother's pedophile. a pedophile yeah. and then he says my brother's a cunt. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks for getting the story right.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. I'm here to we James explain your anecdotes. In, yeah, so I don't want to pretend that I got it right in the first place but
1: it's still a brilliant anecdote. It yeah. is a
0: brilliant episode of television. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very good. It reminds me of Bridget Jones's diary. There's a, uh, a sequence of Bridget Jones' diary when... The, you know, the guy with the really thick sort of makeup, the TV guy. And I think it's the one that Bridget Jones's mum is having an affair yeah, with yeah. or something. Well, like he that
2: he does QVC with her.
0: Yeah. And he goes, there's one bit where he's having his makeup done. And he goes, oh, you ham fisted cow. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's ADR. And it was originally ham fisted cunt. And then they uh, changed it to cow yeah. in ADR. Because I, when I went to the first screening, is before they'd made the change. And that had me howling. And then when I saw it again on, on VHS at the time, I think it was probably or DVD, I was like, what is this? They'd taken yeah, out they the best line." They wouldn't get away with that, they would. Yeah. They? I think probably it was a BBFC thing. They said, well, the rating's going to go up if you keep that in. Yeah. Anyway, anyway let's continue let's continue <laughs> shall because, we do we yeah. so obviously Sarah Michelle Geller is on this episode we could not not oh. talk about Buffy and interestingly Ben Travis asks her a question in this which is a really really great question and he says everyone talks about hush once more with feeling the body which are the three best episodes of Buffy but he said beyond those obvious ones what is your favourite episode? And I thought that was a really good question to ask. She answers it in the interview. I'm not going to spoil it here. You'll hear it as it goes on. But my answers would be hush, once more with feeling and the (laughs) body because I'm a real basic bitch and those are the ones I like. So that's mine. I would say also, the episode of 24, now I'm not going to give you the the title because the title is going to be something like 7 to 8pm or something, but it's the one where Chappelle dies. Do you remember oh, where Chappelle? Yeah. He has to kill his hey. colleague. Done the first season. Uh, no, I don't know what oh. season it is actually. I want to say it's. Is it? Th- might be three. Marvel, okay. Who knows? They yeah, all, yeah, all blend yeah. into each other. Yeah. But uh, that bit where he has to kill that other agent hmm. on the rooftop, and that's how it ends the episode. And you have and the silent, like the the countdown is silent after that death. That's that's an incredible yeah. moment of television. We talked about this last week on Pilot Plus. Yeah. Downton, Series One, oh Episode Three, the one with Mr. Pramuk. Oh, yeah. The uh, one you thought was the pilot. The, the one I thought was the pilot, pilot. but wasn't the pilot. Yeah. Yes, that one. Yeah. Which also has Gwen, Rose Leslie. I'd forgotten Rose Leslie is Gwen. Mm. The, she wants to be a journalist, but she's obviously working in the house. And so she's trying to break out of her life of servitude to become a journalist, which, of course, as we know, is a worse <laughs> profession yeah. than working in service. Don't, uh, it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. It pays worse. The just night check, of. Just a quick check. Are we halfway through the list yet? Yeah? <laughs> Nearly. Okay. Uh, the night of the very first episode, oh, the yeah. B. Oh, yeah. Where you see the crime that he gets, he gets yes. sent down for. Yes, that's absolutely magnificent. I would say the
1: finale though; is brilliant. The finale is wow. very, very
0: good, but the first one—I don't think it ever gets better than that first episode. Oh, I don't agree. I think the that's my favourite. That's, that's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You're okay to be wrong. Yeah. Friday Night Lights pilot—one of the greatest pilots. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to say, Jason yeah, Street. That. That's what I'm going to say. The episode Middle Ground from season three <laughs> of The Wire. People talk about season four being the best season of The Wire. It's not. Season three is the best. And it's mainly because this, because season three is the rise and fall of Stringer Bell. Yeah. And that episode with Brother Muzone and Omar, that's. As good as that show gets to me, it's very, very good. I'm laughing
2: because how is his list still going on? Okay, this is like. (laughs) This is worse than The Heat. This is worse than The Heat. It's
1: turned into a spin off (laughs) from both Pilot TV and Pilot TV (laughs) (laughs) Plus. Look,
0: look, Boydie, I respect our listeners. When they ask me a question, they want a simple answer. I'm going to give them a thoughtful, in depth, detailed answer. I have one more. I have one more for you, Boyd, and it's from Lost. See if you can guess which episode of Lost I picked for this. The first episode? No. Oh. Uh, I don't know <laughs> the constant. <laughs> live. The constant, which is the one where Desmond is travelling through time. Do you remember that? Oh uh, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, which is a perfect episode of Lost yeah, that is a, quite a wild episode it is yeah. it's very good and right. that that is my abridged wow. answer to that question abridged oh you, you better believe I could go on and on oh, and on and well, on oh I can on. believe that don't believe <laughs> you yeah, yeah. do
3: okay.
0: not have to prove that uh, whatsoever Annika all I can do is apologise for that <laughs> yep. uh, but if you would like your question agonised over for about 18 hours on this podcast do send it to us and of course send us your thoughts your feelings your feedback uh, for Pilot Plus we'll read it out there uh, but you can get us on Mm-hmm. Let me think. What's the best way? Well, you can get us on Twitter at Pilot TV Pod. You can come to me on Instagram at James C Dyer. You know, one of those. That'd be fine. Well, I've trailed this interview already. I've already told you one of the questions so you might say that I've kind of spoiled it but, but I will say we do have a guest into every generation. A podcast guest is born. One girl in all the world. A chosen one. She alone will wield the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons and the forces of darkness. She's Sarah Michelle Gellar aka Buffy the Vampire Slayer and her new show Wolfpack uh, is on Paramount Plus now. Uh, and She stopped by the show and spoke to our very own Ben Travis uh, and you can find out whether or not she in fact slayed him
3: now. It's such an honor, a privilege to welcome Sarah Michelle Geller to the Pilot TV Podcast. How are you doing?
4: I'm well. I'm a little jet lagged, but I'm well.
3: Yeah, you're here in London. This is in real life. We're in a hotel room. They
4: keep saying I'm in London. I don't know. They haven't let me out. <laughs> so I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty certain I'm in London. Okay. The accents are definitely my giveaway.
3: I think I'm in London right now. I think you're in London as well. Uh, Yeah, so did you just get here sort of in the last few hours? Is this a speedy turnaround for you? It's a speedy
4: turnaround, yes. Are you sticking around for a couple of days or are you moving on? They they, they, they send me in, they ship me out.
3: (laughs) Well, it's a delight to have you here talking about Wolfpack. This is, I guess in some ways, you're back in the kind of teen drama, horror inflected space. But I want to ask, is this... Did this feel like a return to familiar territory for you? Or did it feel like entering kind of a whole new world? This is Paramount Plus. This is uh, gorier, swearier than Buffy. It's like that genre has changed quite a lot in that time. How did it feel for you reentering that space? You know,
4: it, it, you're right. It doesn't, it, it just, It nobody tries to recreate stuff, right? As an actor, like you always want to do new things you want to explore. Um, and it is very different, you know, the streaming world is where well, you can push the envelope so differently, mm-hmm. you know, you, nudity, swearing, uh, just um, just concepts and overall, you know, what we're dealing with is, it's very different, so...
3: I mean, I love that connective through line. Um, uh, Hopefully, uh, talk a little bit about Buffy in a minute. But that through line from Buffy that the horror stuff was always an analogy for the teenage experience. And that feels like it's absolutely the case here as well. I
4: think that's probably what I connected to. So I always say that Buffy, the the demons were the manifestation of the horrors of adolescence, Mm -hmm. which is... Horrifying. Adolescence, (laughs) that is. And this is similar. We use the monsters as the metaphor for the things in life that we're facing now. We discuss severe anxiety, which Mm -hmm. is something that we, a word we all throw around so much, but we don't really get to the bottom of it. And There's this really interesting fact that we sort of have uncovered, which is anxiety is actually your body running at peak condition. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn how to manifest, how to use it, how to, you know, make that your, superpower if you will it actually is an advantage but no one ever looks at it like that so that's like sort of a big discussion discussing you know social media and this idea that as we get more and more digitally Mm -hmm. connected we're becoming more and more emotionally disconnected because we're not communicating in a way as humans that we're supposed to yeah discussing the idea of finding your pack you know, for me in particular, the last couple of years through COVID, when, you know, we use that word pod a lot, right? The people that you saw, like in yes, the heat yeah. of it, that was what got me through emotionally and how important it is to have your pack and what it's like when you don't have your pack. And then you add for the younger generations, this idea that these social devices are are really stopping you from meeting because you don't have to be as honest. You don't have to look someone in the eye and be honest with who you are. You. It's it's just it's I find it really fascinating and so I think that and then you add in this element of fire and you know we've I live in Los Angeles right now I've lived through these fires what it does both to the people who are victims of it not to mention to the animal kingdom mm-hmm. and what that does and so in that sense there is that through line which I think is to me when any kind of thriller horror whatever you want to you know call it it works the best when it it hits those chords because those are what actually scare us it's not things that go bump in the night. The things that go bump in the night are, is our mind yeah, and and sort of what that connection. Sorry, I can go on about that for a while. You probably don't <laughs> want to keep going, no, but yes. No, it's
3: fascinating. It's all there in the show. Um, I, I guess that tees us up quite nicely if you want to set up for our listeners uh, your character, Kristen, and how she kind of comes into this story, where she comes into this
4: Well, story. I don't come in right now. I mean, I think that's right. what's pretty interesting is it's, as someone said, oh, it's a slow drip. I said, yes, I like am <laughs> like I'm like the best cup of coffee. It's a slow drip. <laughs> Sorry, tea. I mean, just a yeah, tea Sorry, in there, I'm in yeah. the wrong. See, I think I, I don't know where I am. It's, she's an arson investigator, and really, when we first meet her, her only real motive is to find out, she knows the fire was arson, and she's going to find out who did it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's probably a lot of other reasons why she's there, but yeah. Supernatural
3: shenanigans, shall we say, maybe. Who knows?
4: Maybe.
3: It may not be. I've seen two episodes, so I've seen the start of the mystery. I don't know where it's leading from here.
4: No. Well, you (laughs) don't.
3: So how did you come into this project? You're an executive producer here as well. So when did this come to you and what grabbed you about the project
4: overall? I mean, honestly, in, in full disclosure, I didn't even intend to read it. it mm. I was like, I, I don't do wolves. Well. Like I've been there, I've done have written the book, I'm good. <laughs> and everyone on my team said, you know, but you should just read the writing. Maybe you and Jeff will hit it off and want to create something together. And I read it and I was like, I get the second one. I get the third one. <laughs> And I kind of want to know what's happening. And so I sat down. Well, I didn't actually sit down with Jeff. I Zoomed with Jeff because I had COVID. Mm. Uh, two and a half years I made it oh, and God. got COVID. Really? Yeah. I, I can. I, part, I always tease him that the reason I took the job was because I was just delirious with fever from COVID. <laughs> and we started talking about where it was going and what he was trying to say with the project. And mm. I sort of said what I would need to do. it, and, and being an executive producer was important to me because for me, so much of working is about the environment. well, And I think that when you have a healthy environment, then the end product is also so much better because everybody is enjoying being there. And I said, you know, if you're looking for an actor that's like a vanity credit, I'm not your person because I'm going to have thoughts. I'm going to have ideas and I'm going to have criticisms. Mm -hmm. And he was really game. And I just sort of impulsively went, "Okay, I'll do it. And everyone was shocked. I mean, my team was shocked. He was shocked. I don't think anybody thought I was ever in a million years going to say yes. But I don't know, something something clicked. And I just, I I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, there must have been an exciting
3: moment. I mean, what was that feeling for you? For me, it's a joy to have you back on TV, back in this world, in this genre. Again, we've said you're slow drip in these first couple of episodes, but I understand like back in action. Yes, you'll get there. It's it's
4: worth the wait. I I said, uh, I've been, just so people understand. So by episode five, four, I'm in a lot, but five, you'll get a, a a big reveal, amazing, but it may not be what you think it is. And Ooh, then seven okay. and eight is really where it all sort of awesome. blows open. I
3: mean, uh, I, w- I would love to talk to you a bit about uh, Buffy. Full disclosure, it is my favorite TV show of all time. That it's show very means very
4: good taste. Yeah,
3: it, it means the world to me. I understand. I think I read that you kind of did, or your kids did a Buffy. First time watch, was that a rewatch for you? Did you watch the show with them? Have you been revisiting it? It's interesting. Along I, with
4: them? I I watched as much as I could with them. You know, it's mm. really hard for me to just sit down and watch. I just feel like yeah. with my time, it feels extremely self-indulgent. It's like, <laughs> let's sit down for an hour and watch yeah. myself on television. I, I just feel like there's probably fifty-five other things I need to do at that yeah. time. But I did watch a lot of it with them. And, you know, honestly, I felt badly because they had so many questions and mm. I, I don't always have the answers. We watched one through five. Six we skipped a lot of. It's really sure. not age appropriate, and also a part that necessarily I didn't want to revisit also now that I've really sort of looked back at how dark, and I know at the time I vocalized how I felt about that season, but, and then we, I, I, we caught them up with seven.
3: Yeah. I I wanted to ask about that because the sort of journey the show went on, and I guess in relation to to Wolfpack now we're in the streaming era, the whole model is very different. Buffy was network TV. There was a kind of finality to the end of season five, to The Gift and then there was a change of networks there were all these circumstances that the show came back your character literally came back from the dead you had two more seasons and then there was obviously the the season 7 finale chosen and i kind of wrestle with myself of which of those things i kind of prefer in some way the gift you have this beautiful kind of the emotion of the sacrifice that buffy makes the tombstone she saved the world a lot there's a real emotional power to that but then there's also in chosen the realization of, of the potentials all becoming slayers buffy looking into the future i was just wondering do you have a feeling on where you sit with those two kind of endings it's so
4: that's really i it's a really interesting question, and really well well asked and crafted. Sorry, I just you don't get a lot of those. I agree with you on a lot of what you said. you know, i I don't think five couldn't have been the finale. You can't end with her dying. Right. It's just I think that would have been I think that would have been too hard. I think that I don't know, as a fan, I think, yes, it's great, but you don't want her to have the ultimate sacrifice. There's a way to have the ultimate sacrifice where everybody wins, and I think that's more what you get in seven, I just, six got too dark and I felt it wasn't who she was. Yeah. It wasn't, she was the girl that saw the light and the, you know, I just want to be a teenager. And, and it, I just, so, I, and I love the idea that any girl who has the power should have the power because yeah. that's, w- women as women in particular, we have to lift each other up and we so often don't. And to me, that was about sharing my power, if you will. And, you know, again, the power is a metaphor, right? We all have the power, yeah. but how do we use the power and how do we find it within ourselves
3: i love that about the final season and about the finale as well i want to ask you in terms of revisiting those kind of earlier seasons it's a show there are several standout episodes that always get talked about obviously once more with feeling and hush and the body but what, what are some of the maybe lesser talked about episodes that kind prom. of
4: the prom I, season three the prom the prom to me is such an embodiment of everything she stood for. You know, thinking she couldn't be that girl that goes to the prom and has those moments because she has to save the world and she gets to do both and she learns for the first time that even though no one's saying anything, they know what she's doing and who she, I just, and then Angel comes to give her that, like, that to me is a great one. You know, another one that doesn't get spoken about a lot is the Danny Strong one where he, well, both of them, but in particular, the one where Buffy's hearing the voices and she thinks that He's going to have this sort of mass casualty. Those weren't that prominent, yeah. Right. I mean, now it's every. I mean, I'm afraid to turn my phone on or my computer any every mo- every and every morning. Mm-hmm. But that was like really before. In fact, it just happened. We actually had to delay that episode right. because there was like one of the first. Um, and it's kind of crazy when you think about that. I don't remember yeah. the title of that one, but. So it's a pretty powerful episode.
3: Yeah, the the show endures in so many ways. I think it's fascinating for all. We're talking about how TV has changed and so many things have changed. But so much of what that show spoke to, I think, still feels kind of very relevant. Yeah,
4: about, you know, the adolescence coming out, you know, as you will, whether it's, you know, sexually, emotionally, physically, whatever those things Mm -hmm. are, that's generational.
3: I wanna ask about the TV that really impacted you as a kid because for me, um, sort of formative memory, as you can see, I'm wearing glasses. I got glasses when I was seven and I have a very crystal clear memory of getting glasses for the first time, kind of realizing that I couldn't see. (laughs) You don't realize that until you get glasses. And that evening I went home and I remember watching Buffy that night on the TV. I think it was the teacher's pet episode. It was a big impactful uh, memory for me. What's the TV that made an impact on you when you were a kid?
4: Wow, that's a really – throwing me today. I'm used to answering <laughs> the same questions. You're killing me here. <laughs> I don't – I don't know. I mean, I think that's what I loved about Buffy was when I was growing up, it was like facts of life and growing pains, and it was always the, the girl was the nerd and not popular, and she wanted the guy, and it always felt very superficial. It was 2D on roller skates, you know? It just – girls didn't get to lead powerful shows. I mean, maybe there was Wonder Woman, but Mm. that was it. Yeah. Or maybe Bionic Woman. I mean, those are before me, though. Um, So I don't think I had that in the same way that generations now have characters that speak to them.
3: Yeah. I mean, just to finish on, what does it mean to you to work in this genre space? Obviously through Buffy, some incredible kind of horror and thriller films you've made, uh, Wolfpack now, also you're voicing characters on Star Wars and Rebels. Wish we had time to talk about that, but we don't. What does it mean to you to play in this genre space, create these characters that are going to mean a lot to people who love this stuff?
4: I'm, not, I'm a working actor, right? That's the dream. I get to, someone pays me to go to work every day to play make-believe and people actually like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, the actual embodiment of living the dream.
3: Well, it's uh, a joy to have you back on our screens uh, in Wolfpack. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Right. Shall we have news? God, yes. Shall we begin some news? I'll begin. Go with on. The, a lot of people
1: tweeted to me about this. I, so I thought so. Oh, Siri's, Siri's got thoughts.
0: <laughs>
2: oh nice. my God, Siri agrees with yeah. you, Boyd.
0: Yeah, wow. Do you uh, like that I've got Irish Siri? Do you know that I have Irish Siri? Uh, didn't
1: have you? Why? Siri, what's the time? It's 15.02. There you yeah.
3: go, see? I'm sorry. Sounds like a
1: cult member of Bad Sisters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah Interesting. You I know, mean, I haven't gone. I, my Apple Watch broke and I haven't replaced it yet. I need to get on that. Yeah. It's just, if Apple listening. And for other facts like that, please, please <laughs> subscribe iPhone. to Pilot Plus now, yeah. One ninety nine a month for anyway, such wonderful it's things. It's
2: almost like it's not hot in here. It's yeah.
0: almost
1: like it's not hot in here. Anyway, Paramount is basically kind of ditching Showtime or they're kind of incorporating Showtime, which Showtime has been historically second only to HBO and sometimes first above HBO yeah. as a creator, producer, or commissioner of really daring, brutal brilliant, high-quality TV dramas and comedies, basically. Like what? Dexter, Homeland, you name it. Yeah. Uh, the American Queer as Folk. And the Americans, more. isn't that Showtime as the well? The Americans. Yes. Or was that FX? Oh, it might be an FX. Might be FX. Homeland. Home, Homeland? Yeah, I said Homeland. <laughs> Weeds. That's Weed, yes. Jackie. United oh, States wow. of Tara, now hmm. available on ITVX, by the way. United States of Tara, The L Word. Episodes in America. Masters of Sex, Twin Peaks, your oh, favourite. No,
0: Twin there's Peaky Twin Peaks The return. Stuff. It's not good Twin Peaks. It's that it bollocks
1: was, sequel it was, thing. It was amazing, Twin Peaks. It was Peaks. dreadful. Uh, anyway, loads and loads of stuff. But they are kind of, they're, they're putting it inside the Paramount Plus brand, if you like, in a rather kind of clunky way, and no one really know. They've already cancelled one show that was going to arrive. More than one. Um, Yellow Jackets was on show. Did you say that, uh, Yellow Jackets. 19. No, I
0: didn't, but they are. But they've cancelled American Gigolo, which was on it, which we loved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they've also cancelled Let the Right One In, which we never saw. No
1: exactly
2: what's the point of this they're just trying to cut shows or
0: it's hard
1: to say it's hard to say (laughs) Um, uh, basically there seems to be a general um, what's the word for when an amalgamation of streaming services And you know like HBO is going to be HBO Discovery so HBO Max is going to be subsumed I mean we do need fewer streamers yeah in theory but unfortunately it feels like often that the most daring and bold shows, use my favourite word, are the ones that get axed when these things mm. happen. So no one knows exactly what it is gonna mean, but it's gonna be called rather cumbersomely Paramount Plus with Showtime. What? <laughs> what? Yes. Surely, yes. surely it's you know showtime.
2: Some, someone has been paid a lot of money to think of that
1: exactly, bullshit. Exactly. But, do you know dead. that's a good point because actually I my theory about all of this stuff is that there, you know, there's <laughs> a very top heavy loads of executives, you know, in these companies, in these and, and what are they gonna do? What when, for example, when HBO and Discovery did merge, all the Discovery bosses were the ones that were running that ship, and they're like, "Oh, we'll just talk about HBO and Discovery, and it'll be fine." And they come up; it's their job to come up with basically often quite stupid ideas to <laughs> to make to cost cut costs. And, Can
2: they employ us to think of those stupid well, ideas? Yeah, I mean, we're, full of, we're, we're full of yeah, stupid ideas. We've got
1: so many of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it, I think it is. It doesn't seem like a good thing in general that this is happening. No way. No. It
0: doesn't. Yeah, But it
1: is a thing that's happening.
0: It is thing that's happening. Uh, what else there was some Fraser news?
1: There's always Fraser news. There's always Frasier news. Always Frasier news. So you're But right. he's
0: going to Boston. Yeah. He's going back to Boston. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Was that new news? That's, and
0: also, what was that? It was my to the Boston accent. I mean, that, but does this mean, does this mean this is the most crucial part of him no longer being in Seattle and going back to Boston? Is is he going to go back to the Cheers bar?
1: Well, apparently is. that what is. this is? Apparently he is. I, that is what this are That's good. Yeah. yeah. Which does leave very open to a cameo from at the very least Ted Danson. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be up for it. Danson's been in cameo, cameoing in TV shows for years <laughs> and years and years. <laughs> Brilliantly. Always brilliant in Coen, yeah. particularly. Yeah. So I, my very strong guess is that he is going to appear It will be almost like a shock (laughs) and surprise if he didn't pop up. But it's also, they also announced that the first episode is recording this tomorrow as we speak, Friday... Before life live studio once, because we were talk- yeah. speculating about this last week, was it? Mm-hmm. Or the week before. So it is going to be made in classic Frasier style. You know, the style that James thinks is dead and is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but more open-minded people think it's still fine. <laughs> right. As long as the script's good.
2: Yeah, it and, depends how it's done, yeah.
1: Exactly. And it's being directed by James Burrows, who is the TV directing legend who worked on Frasier and all, and Cheers and all pretty much every classic kind of 80s, 90s, noughties, Half hour comedy show he has worked on. He's an incredible legend in the business. So if he can't he get it, it right, no reasoning. one could get it right. Exactly. I, I, so my, I'm, I'm kind of warmed as I was like, getting chilly on it a week ago, worrying about the cast and no announcement of any of the op- originals apart from obviously Kelsey Grammer himself. But now the fact that going back to Boston makes sense, makes narrative sense. James Burrow's being involved. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance. Um, I'd
2: like Norm to return if he's alive.
1: Oh, incredible. I think he is. Norm.
2: Yeah. Most, yeah. Yeah.
1: Or Cliff, um, yeah. Cliff, Cliff Clavin, mm-hmm. incredible. So now I'm excited again. We'll see. And I'm sure as soon as they take the first episode tomorrow, before we, this episode comes out of this podcast on Monday, there'll be definitely buzz one way or the other about what the show's like, because you can't keep... They'll, they'll be, the audience will have to sign um, NDAs, of course, but something will leak, mm. I guarantee you, about what the show is like. Did either of you read The Power by Naomi Alderman?
2: Yes, I
0: did. Did you watch the trailer for the upcoming show?
2: No, I haven't. I wasn't a massive... You know, it's not really my kind of book, is it? I don't
0: know. You love a bit of science fiction.
2: No, I read it purely because a friend gave it to me for my birthday. I felt felt obligated. This is
0: Barack Obama's favourite book of 2018. How could he possibly be wrong?
2: I mean that is true. I do like a book. It's a
0: fantastic book. A anyway, fantastic no, I
2: I enjoyed book. it, but put it like this: I'm not going to be. am not counting the days till the TV series.
0: Well, if you've seen the trailer, I would understand it. Now, I I I should probably say it's not a bad trailer at all, but I feel like it missells the book slightly so it's very much it plays like so if the logline for the power which is that one day teenage girls start developing all teenage girls start developing the power to electrocute people like they develop a power so it shifts the balance of power between the sexes I know have
2: just got my eye on both of you two mm.
0: but yeah like Kay yeah. can already do it uh, but but the book isn't what you think. Like, the book isn't, you know, like a... Like it does, it's not a Marvel movie, do you know what I mean? That's not what the book is. The book is it's geopolitical. It comes from many, many points of view. It's, it looks at abuses of power, whether or not men are just inherently awful, or whether it's that case nodding. Yes. <laughs> very, very enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, this, this week point. above
1: all weeks, we know they
0: are. Yeah. <laughs> but But, or whether it's the power that innately corrupts, and whether if you shift the balance of power, then that also shifts corruption. And whether it's just uh. whoever's got the power abuses the power mm. uh, and so it also... the
1: actual literal power based plot is actually an analogy indeed it's not a it, metaphor
0: exactly okay. exactly there's a lot going on. but it's such a good book and it felt to me and look I don't think that that's necessarily what the series is but I do think whoever cut the trailer from a marketing point of view leaned heavily into hey it's girls who shoot lightning from their fingers mm. and it's like that's not what the book was so I think best case this is just marketing people doing their thing
2: I think it probably is yeah. they need people to watch a show Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You would,
1: wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you would. You yeah.
0: would. You would. But then I, I'd have been inclined to actually think, well, actually, no. Let's, let's lean into what this really is and make it seem like big awards worthy serious TV, which is what it could be. Mm. But maybe that's not the way. Maybe they have actually popularized it more and gone down a more sort of basic
1: route for the series. I don't know.
2: Let's not judge the show on its trailer. I think. I know. I know you, I know you should, not. but let's <laughs> not.
1: <laughs> I think I'm right in saying, isn't Naomi Alderman? Except producing it anyway herself. I, I think she's involved. Yeah. I think
0: she's. I think she's heavily involved. Yeah. So and so maybe she. Maybe she know you will stick to the themes of yeah. my book or maybe she said what is this in- enormous bag of money you've put on my desk
1: steady <laughs> you know 100%. wow do whatever this you like all, uh, he's basing this all on what like a two yeah. minute trailer yeah, a trailer of course yeah, he is that's right <sighs> um, it, and also it's got great cast Tony Collette yes? John Leguizamo 100% Hugh, Yep, um, really
0: good people in it Yeah, but Ted Lasso. I never saw the electricity in this as literal lightning bolts coming out of people's fingers. like I. And maybe they would just look, we need a visual device, it's a visual medium. Yeah. But I always saw it as slightly more thoughtful and subtle than that. But look, I'm not writing the show off. I'm very, very excited to see Sounds the show. like you are. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm aware that... <laughs> it does sound tra- look, Do you remember when Stumdog Millionaire came out and they were marketing it as a romantic comedy? It's like, <laughs> it is many things, it is not that.
1: Mm. Uh, but marketers going to market so yeah. you know marketers the example, be marketing there's an example of that recently I heard a director talking about how he was uh, he was annoyed about the marketing of a film I forgot oh no I know it it's Empire of Light is that Empire what of Light been? yeah Sam Mendes yeah, Sam yeah. Mendes did he inf- yeah it might be been the Empire
0: of weren't they, were, they pushing that as a kind of like a, yeah. oh hey, it's a they romantic comedy
1: Empire of, Empire of Light which is basically a story about racism <laughs> and mental health in <laughs> the 80s or whatever yeah. um, they pushed as a like a love letter to cinema and yeah. it's just not a love letter and I hate that phrase anyway um, it's it's just not that at all it just happens to be that she's working in a Cinema. Yeah. But yeah that's what that's how they sold it and he himself Sam Mendes said yeah he he didn't want he didn't like I'm, But I'm surely paraphrasing he has sign off right? like, No but they don't you'll be surprised how Some filmmakers do. Some do and some mm. don't. Yeah, but even even Sam Mendes might not have sign off or at least like very much they go this is the way to do it just go mm. with us and mm. then he reluctantly because you it. want bums on seats? You want yeah. people watching it. But I kind of think misselling something is, is it's a bit much. But yeah. I just had another interesting fact about um the power. Yeah. Is it's got an all female writing room. Uh,
2: mm, yeah. that's it yeah so that's makes sense
1: Yeah, I hope it will be just saying electric
2: okay oh fine right <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, moving on <laughs>
2: swiftly moving on. <laughs>
0: moving on moving on moving on okay you got any news yes well, I have got some news oh go on tell me
2: right so this is for fans of the good fight so that ended last year but apparently HBO have announced no not HBO CBS even mm. have announced there's going to be a spin-off focusing it's on
1: spin-off of a spin-off hmm Okay, Yeah, count, yeah.
2: triple spin off. Double spin off even. Focusing on Carrie Preston's character of Elsbeth T- Tassioni. Do you remember that yes, character? Yes, She was brilliant, she's right? She's very good. And uh, it'll be just be called Elsbeth. Anyway, so the that attorney character like cropped up in The Good Wife and also Good Fight. And now she's going to get her own series where she corners expert criminals alongside the NYPD, honing in on her singular point of view to make unique observations. <laughs> wow. And
1: what's that going to be called? That
2: makes it sound a lot more Elspeth, boring than I'm sure it is. It's, it's going to be
1: called Elspeth. Elspeth. The Good Elsbeth. The Good Elsbeth. No, no, the good elspeth, yes. Yeah. The good, good elspeth. No. The good something. Yeah. yeah. The good elspeth. So that's
2: coming out, which um that excites me greatly because I do love The Good Wife. And I never good finished Fight.
0: The Good Five.
1: No, me neither.
2: I have to say, I didn't either, but I'm going to go back to it.
1: But have, have, uh, wait, whoever's showing it, Channel 4 or More Four? have they even aired it? I don't know, to be honest. I
0: don't I, so. I, I watched, I think I watched two seasons of it because it got a bit, it was about Rose Leslie and then she started to be less involved. Mm. And then Diane Lockhart's character was like microdosing and seeing Trump everywhere. Yeah, Trump, and I was just got like, very it was like, Trump-y. Got very, Trump-y very Trumpy. And mm. I, I think weirdly that put me off. I was like, there's too yeah, much Trump. I can't. I'm going to go, go back though. Never go back. Always go forward.
2: The last bit of news James particularly for you but I think Boyd will appreciate so Sky Max have announced they're doing a new pilot called On Demand working title and it's an exciting new comedy show putting our cultural knowledge to the test celebrating all oh, things yeah, TV this.
1: it's basically a TV quiz isn't
2: it yeah it's basically right it's going to be adopt the tone they said of like sort of never mind the buzzcocks
1: Yeah, and it's going to it's have it's from the makers of that isn't yeah. It? Yeah. is
2: it from the I makers I think so I'm pretty sure oh okay yeah. and it's going to have Josh Widdicombe who else has got Rob Beckett and my personal favourite Alison Hammond leading the team mm. heard
1: of any of these people James? Absolutely not what of course he hasn't I've never heard of any of these people
2: (laughs) anyway they will be captaining the teams who will be made up of stars of the small screen and they'll be going through a series of dynamic rounds to prove who knows the most about TV it's
1: quite a bold title when you consider that if you want to find something on Sky On Demand you literally go is it on Sky On Demand and it's called On Demand show On Demand On Demand do you think they'll ask you to be on it Boyd Oh, I hope so. No, I think it's celebrities. No, yeah, stars than- of the song TV's Boyd Hilton. Steady. I think it's proper stars. Well, having said that, did you see that um, Ali Plum, do you know about this? I, I know Ali Plum. This is TV news. Ali Plum, formerly of oh, Empire Podcast news, yeah. and Empire Magazine, is going to be on Celebrity Mastermind. Is he? Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yes. As uh, a I, contestant. As a contestant. Exactly. Is he? What's uh, his specialist subject? His specialist subject is, oh, now I'm going to annoy that I've forgotten. He told me, and it was in the press release, it's the official TV news. So I bumped into Ali at a screening about a week ago, and he told me this fact. And I was like, this is brilliant and amazing. And he was really like, I'm really nervous about oh. it because he hadn't filmed it yet. And he talked about how it's quite hard to find a specialist subject. But he did find a specialist subject, though. Oh, I know what it is. I've remembered. This is how I'm not actually seen senile. Yes. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but the radio series... Oh my god. The TV series, all the film that is niche. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series, niche. Yeah, that's, that's a quite speci- niche. That is a specialist subject. Yeah, and um, but in, in an email yesterday, the BBC announced like all, all of the competitors in the next series of Subject Mastermind, including Alex. So it's property. Oh wow, years, yeah. that's exciting.
2: Yeah, what amazing. would your um, what would your specialist
1: subjects be? Mine would probably be some, either Seinfeld or Kerb. I hadn't, and I know. In fact, I think someone else is doing Seinfeld this very series. I, like, I did glimpse that, and it must have been done before. But more, maybe even like Larry David, maybe oh, yeah, something like that. like that. Yeah. What about you, James? Oh, it'd be like The Expanse or Game of
0: Thrones yeah. or Star Trek or Star Wars yeah. or just some, some nerdy shit that I don't stop banging on about. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Mine would be Poirot. Would TV it? Of series, course. Yeah. yeah,
1: of course. But Zach get... is where you are, wrong, Monsieur but honestly we, oh my no. god what? it's
2: really full of today and also just like <sighs> did you see the shoulder oh, do you know what it's because he's we're hot he hasn't got yeah. his jumper on uh, and so now then, not,
1: then he's yeah. like it's, it's like, disturbing yeah, yeah we can yeah. see, yeah.
2: Yeah. see yeah. His, his forearms we've yeah. established, yeah. established yeah. that we're
1: <laughs>
0: nude we've established don't don't pull the curtain back we've established we're nude doing this podcast nude
1: even doing it nude doesn't excuse your accent
0: yeah also what
2: what was the accent James
0: it was French no
2: he's Belgian oh god get get
0: out
1: can you tell the difference between a French and a Belgian accent?
2: Well, I can tell that wasn't French or Belgian. So yeah. <laughs> That's yes,
1: fair. certainly think he did fair. in the ABC Murders, didn't he, when he played um Poro? He did the very slight. I don't know what the difference. Is. John Malkovich. Malkovich. Thank yes. You. Yes. I've got. I've got some news for you. you so, so
0: Kay's a massive gamer, so she'll be really <laughs> excited to hear. <laughs> yeah. The Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh, my,
1: by the way, <clears throat> is
0: adapting Tomb Raider, the video game, as a TV series. That's okay. crazy. That is crazy. Talk.
2: Listen, I. Do Flea like... Raider. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's quite
0: good. Tomb Bag. I don't know. Wow. Uh, yeah that is incredible that is interesting I didn't see that
2: news that yeah. passed me by
0: She's, is, I mean, did you dream it? I don't think I dreamed it I may have done yeah. uh, no so you remember obviously it's been two films with Angelina Jolie and then there was the Alicia Vikander version yeah. so it's never really had a good adaptation although the yeah. Alicia Vikander one was less terrible than the Angelina ones but yeah so People Phoebe a bridge you know, it's going to be really re- well written it's going to be funny I'm, I'm very excited very excited about this in a way that, frankly, Tomb Raider as a franchise does not interest me at all. But this mm-hmm. has
1: so yeah. I mean, anything that Phoebe Waller Bridge does, exactly. exactly yeah. did, and she did exactly. do. I would say famously, she she worked on the um, uh, No Time to Die James Bond script, didn't she? Yes. And I think you can tell that she did make that script way better because it, mm-hmm. there were some great lines. In there that, were good in lines, thing, in and some great kind yeah. of just ideas and moments, mm-hmm. particularly in the bit where with Ana de is that what she's called? Yes. Um, uh, that whole bit was felt very Phoebe. Wallabridge. I think she has talked about it. So, yeah, she she's capable. She's so brilliant. She's capable of making. And obviously, movie. she's been working on Indiana Jones yes. and the Dial of Destiny. Mm. Right, yeah, so, yeah, she's yeah. already
0: got some tomb raiding. I read a belt. brilliant oh,
2: article yeah. about that in Empire Magazine.
0: Did you? Yes. Was it written by Nick DeSamler? It was. Oh, did it was. he force you? Did he see Yeah. Uh, did he, you did he <laughs> tie you up and make you read his cover yeah, Pretty features? much.
2: It was like being in Indiana Jones, yeah, trying to escape him. I can yeah.
0: understand that. That makes perfect sense. Last of Us has been renewed for season two. Yes. I think this broke before last week's podcast, but we didn't mention it. So.
4: No brainer.
1: Was inevitable, wasn't it, considering... Mm. It, it was inevitable. Am I right in saying there's a second um, board, board game? Second <laughs> yes, there's a game. second board game. <laughs> yes, one of those electric board games, that's the one.
0: Yes, and we talk actually quite a lot about how we think this is going to go in the second Spoiler Special podcast, which we have already recorded but won't go out until the finale. Mm.
1: You could do The Last of Us as your special subject in... Um, I do know a Master... lot about The Last of Us. Yeah. Mastermind right. called, by the way... Uh, I, mean, mm. I mean, it could happen because he's literally, um, uh, he's credited as t- just film critic, Ali Plum. Like, that's thats all you need. And it's considered a celebrity. We're all effectively he's, I think TV they're more critics. likely to come absolutely to you. I am not for... going to do it.
2: I would okay. never be asked. No, you definitely not it. I wouldn't be asked and you you I wouldn't do it. No. You wouldn't be Mm-mm. asked
0: and you wouldn't be asked. <laughs> yeah,
2: <exactly. laughs> James, You'd do
0: it,
1: wouldn't you? you could would I do it? Yeah, it. yeah. I, I, I think I'd it.
0: struggle to turn it down. But, yeah, I don't, exactly. but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be embarrassed. You know, they might ask yeah, me you, tricky questions. you do it.
2: Yeah, I think you both I'd do love
0: it. to see you on it, boy. They'd be oh, like, boy, and you'd be like, scary. oh, you know, the, with a the guy could, and the, oh, it. what's his
1: name? No, no offense. offense. Yeah, this is a no, thing. It's okay. okay. I, I, I would offensive. worry about
2: you just... <laughs> Blanking. Of
1: course, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would blank it. You've got can, all
2: the knowledge, just yeah. whether it's going to be knowledge. at your fingertips.
1: Do you mind if I just have uh, some notes <laughs> with me? I can, mind myself <laughs> very, be fine. can
0: I look this up on Wikipedia? Yeah. yeah. What else have we got? Pennyworth got cancelled. Don't know if either of you care, but Pennyworth got no. cancelled. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's move yeah. from news then into okay. the first show that we're going to talk about this week. Let's get into reviews. Uh, and first up, we have Consent. This is a powerful one-off drama from Channel 4, written by Emma Dennis Edwards, and takes place at a posh private boys' school where girls have been introduced in the sixth form, and rape culture is prevalent. So it's described officially as a factual drama that captures what it feels like for young people in an environment where sexual expectations are distorted by the instant access to porn, and where the lines of consent are minimised. Now, I have absolutely no joke for this one, as it is very far from a laughing matter, uh, and actually a very Difficult but important watch. Uh, Kay, can you tell us a little bit about Consent?
2: Yeah. So this, as you said, it's set in this fictional private school, Dales. You know, this is a one-off, right? But it gets straight into you setting the scene so you know instantly what kind of school this is. So it's full of rich, privileged, entitled, intelligent men who are basically heading to Oxbridge slash our government. It feels like a training camp for Bullingdon Club, basically. Mm. And there's like this group of obnoxious boys who have this WhatsApp group called Slags and Stuff, so instantly sets the tone, where they just pass derogatory sexist remarks about the girls there, often made up sexual exploits they've had with them that aren't actually true. And they egg each other on to score points, inverted commas. Archie is our lead character, played by newcomer Tom Victor. And he is part of the group, but doesn't quite fit in. Like You just get the sense that he... Tries to—he doesn't even try to have the laddie banter. He's just on the periphery of it, really, but gets bullied and teased by them a lot. But he's in, being encouraged all the time to hook up with. This girl called Natalie. So she is played by Lachey Anderson, and she's a smart working class uh, star pupil who's there on scholarship. And she really, and she's best friends with Archie's twin sister, and she likes him. There's a flirtation between them. So it is mutual. They're like for each other. But what happens is at the twins' 18th birthday party, everything goes wrong. Things get out of control. There's lots of alcohol consumed and drugs, and they're all wasted. And these Hideous boys. I mean, there's one character called Raffi who is just so repulsive.
0: Played by Ty Tennant, aka Prince Aegon from House of the Dragon, and he's oh, right. an awful he's, racist in that. So, oh right, yeah.
2: it's just hideous. Just, I mean, the things that are said. Um, like yeah. Anyway, they're they're wasted, and Raffi and the rest of them just encourage Archie to really go for it. Go get your points, right? That's the way they express it to him, and so he does basically. And it's just. It's just in the most devastating way. And the next day, Natalie wakes up. She realises, she's shocked, numbed, realises what's happened and is adamant she didn't give consent. And, I mean, that's not a sport. I mean, you can tell what it's about from the whole of the title. Mm. And fortunately, she's lucky to have a teacher. I think it's their form teacher or the English teacher who she confides in, who knows what these boys are like. So, takes action. But... Then it's all about the fact that the school, the boys, the parents, everything goes into lockdown. It's a deny and defend approach and it's awful to watch because you know this happens in all institutions all the time. It is a really difficult Watch, especially, I imagine, if you have kids, because this is happening. And at first, when I was watching it, I was thinking, this isn't just private schools that this is happening at, because that's the portrayal of it, right? It's a public school, private school thing. But actually, it'll be happening in state schools, university everywhere, right? But actually, what's really interesting, at the end of this, it ends with statistics, and actually is more likely to happen at these private institutions. However, it is just rife everywhere and I just thought it was really well done it was shocking and sobering yeah like you know I watched this on the back of watching Emily Atac so I had a real sort of yeah night of it but I just thought it's so well done
1: it is uh yeah it's it's uh distressing obviously it has to be a distressing watch but it is it is quite distressing um but what I thought was really interesting about it was that it kind of makes you think that technology social media whatsapp groups kind of does enable this stuff, mm. I think. I, like, I just think, and I think like now, I feel more sorry for young people growing up in this time now. It must be worse yeah. like, than it was when I was growing up, for example, many, many years ago, because I think it, there's something about being able to, and they dramatize it very cleverly. So the WhatsApp group messages that they all, these four or five boys, share with each other, it's dramatized so that they arrive in his you know, room or whatever, sitting with him, um, chatting to him and being cocky and um, provocative and, and, uh, 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 and hideously misogynistic and sexist and all of that. But there's something about it, it shows that when they're all egging each other on, and it's just fundamentally easier to egg each other on within that in a WhatsApp group than it is in real life. And without WhatsApp, mm. but I'm not blaming. I'm not. I'm not blaming the technology, but it's. No, it I just find it it. Scary, yeah. How much it enables it, and then you've also got the factor of videoing stuff and of um, wanting to post stuff to you, you know on online to socials as well, and it really, in a subtle way, underlines the horror without wanting to put too fine a point on it of having to deal with all that. Oh, shit. god, yeah. And I just think it makes me feel, yeah, it just really is quite depressing to think. How do you navigate uh, that thing? And I really admire, like, my nephew, just for example, isn't on any socials at all. He's mm. literally on no, has no online presence. I mean, he's on there, like, he might read Twitter, you know, as, as but he'll never tweet anything or anything like that. And I just admire young people who can avoid, who avoid social media. It's, it's probably for the best, I think. I it's yeah. like, until you, you're you an adult and, you know, you, you don't have to worry about...
2: But the thing is, it's not... but. The... He avoids social media, I'm sure, but he probably doesn't avoid WhatsApp. And like from my experience of like young people that I know in my life, it's like yeah. the classes have WhatsApp groups, oh, completely. and it's like horrendous. It's uh, a horrendous.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think he probably. I think he does actually. But anyway. Oh, well but done. Yeah, I think, and you can. And I, but I do think. You, but you're right. Yeah, the classes do, and that and the, and the and the lads do. And I, I just find that whole element to it. Like obviously, they are. It almost is like a miseducation via modern technology and, and how teachers deal with it, mm. you know, how school, I mean, it's just an absolute nightmare and I think it's brilliant that Channel 4 has commissioned this one-off film and it does, you know, as you were saying about the Emily ATEC thing, they really, I'm sure they will actually show it in schools because that's what it's, so. it's made by the factual, it, it wasn't made by the drama team at Channel 4, it was made as a kind of, you know, factual educational documentaries and current affairs team and um, it is a really good drama. It's very well done. It has to be and it's such a difficult thing to achieve, I think, to, to sum up you know all of the hideous elements of this world. To make it, but it has to be authentic, doesn't it? Because it feels that, very you go, authentic. Even if you go slightly off-piste or slightly wrong, like if the, if the performances weren't good enough, or you know, because like Ty Tennant's character, who's in fact David Tennant's son, who is, as you say, horrendous in how in mm-hmm. how oh, Rafi is, is
2: Tennant's ho- son.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. And he is horrendously awful and but I absolutely believed him. Yeah. I, yeah. There's always one who's like the ringleader and the egg-honour and um but he <laughs> but he's great. He's completely convincing He's this horrendous fucking twat and it's this it, uh it, yeah. this
2: expression they have of no evidence no points
1: this is the
0: kind of show film one-off event whatever you want to call it drama that makes you want to set the world on fire mm-hmm. it makes you just want to like bring the floods bring the rays let's just start again because it's just not working
2: honestly wait till you've watched um, emily atax <sighs> show as well and you're just gonna want to yeah go on a rampage
0: like, it, it, i found this a devastating watch i will say that it's Brilliantly put together, and the way they dramatise the fact that it is WhatsApp groups by having the actors appear in the room and actually speak out their WhatsApp lines, so they actually dramatise the text. So you're s- not s- looking at s- on s- the screen, <laughs> yeah. But <I'm>, I <laughs> know okay. really like you did. I'm, okay. so like like no, no, I'm just saying. I thought that was a really interesting choice. You
1: hadn't heard me say that. Just I had heard you say. I
0: had heard like you weren't listening
2: to Boyd. I was listening to Boyd.
0: I'm just saying. I thought that was a really interesting choice because that could have made the whole thing feel quite flat, mm. and it brings it to life beautifully. Mm. Uh, so it's really, really well made but it's just horrific and obviously we've talked a lot about you know the social media aspect and yes I think the internet brings with it and all sorts of problems as the social media but it's not social media is not the root of this it just amplifies it and makes it easier but like what's at the root of this is the fundamental proliferation of rape culture in society and especially in schools. Like, everyone's invited, the website, obviously, which made headlines, whether it was last year, the year before, I can't remember. But, you know, it exists for a reason. This does go on. You know, Kay mentioned that there are some statistics at the end of this show. I'm going to read that out. I don't think it's a spoiler. But what the statistics literally say is a 2021 Ofsted report stated that rape culture is so endemic in secondary schools that people don't even report it and see it as normal. 59% of girls and young women aged 13 to 21 say they have experienced sexual harassment at school or college, with many prominent independent schools mentioned. This is not obviously limited to independent schools, but it does happen there as well. I also think, you know, while we're going stats, if you look at the Rape Crisis website, one in four women and one in six children have been sexually abused. The highest ever number of rapes within a 12-month period was recorded by police in the year ending March 2022, which was 70,330. Only one in a hundred rapes recorded by the police in 2021 resulted in a charge, let alone a conviction. One in two rapes against women are carried out by their partner or ex-partner. Five in six rapes against women are carried out by someone they know. Nine in ten girls and young women in schools say sexist name-calling and being sent unwanted dick pics or other images of a sexual nature happens to them. So that is fucked up, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. Uh, And I think this is a really important watch and I think it's a really important thing that people know because I think, you know, this is not a fun thing to hear about. It's not a fun thing to watch a show about. It's not a fun thing to hear about on a podcast. But it is a thing that happens. I don't think it does anyone any favours to just pretend it doesn't and to ignore it. So I think actually, you know, we almost owe it to ourselves and society to engage with this I find this kind of thing incredibly difficult to watch but I felt like I wanted to sit through it and I had to sit through it and I'm glad I did because I do think it's an important thing But uh,
1: it,
2: in, and well done it, very. Well yeah.
1: done. it also touches by the way on on um, class and race cause it the, does because N- Natalie Lasher Anderson's character is a young black girl in, in who got a scholarship to the school yep. rather than all the rich um, entitled boys that she's mm. been yeah, with it makes that point it touches on slut shaming on. Yeah. which still
0: exists now yes. in 2023 it touches on the fact that uh, you know the school as Kay said tries to hush it up that he's referred to as an intelligent boy with a bright future and not what he is which is a fucking rapist yeah it's it's a, it's a like I say it's, it will make you furious it will make you depressed but I think it is worth watching regardless I do but that is consent which comes to Channel 4 Boyd what day Tuesday the 7th at 10 o'clock. Tuesday the 7th at 10 o'clock. Right, tonal shift as we talk about gold, or the gold, I should say, uh, which Boydie told us about at length the other mm, week when yes. he watched it, uh, and which stars Hugh Bonneville, Jack Loudon, and Charlotte Spencer, and is a retelling of the Brinks-Matt robbery of 1983, where £26 million in gold was stolen in what was, at the time, the biggest heist in history. Boydy, is this one indeed... Gold.
1: Oh, God. Gold. Oh, it's- Gold. 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 <laughs> Always believe in your soul. Um,
2: Love singing and impressions it's, yeah, it's today. It's, yeah. it's, fair.
1: it's the heat. It's fair. Uh, well, as I make clear, yes, I did go on about it, didn't I? So I'll probably go on about it slightly less now. But I, th- I think they've done a re- This is um, created by Neil Forsyth, who's also written a book about this case, the Brink's robbery. So he has researched this story inside out he's interviewed people involved both sides of the law the a real character the policeman that Hugh Bonneville plays Hugh Bonneville met him and discussed the, you know the, what the ins and outs of investigating this case there is a disclaimer at the beginning about you know how many facts are true and there are obviously there's certain scenes that have been made up but unlike I would say something like The Crown which was another news story which by the way Helena Bonham Carter talked about how they should finish it now in, a, in an interview the other day because she thinks you know it's gone too, it's come, come too close to the present day um, rather than being the historical drama that was when she was in it mm. um, by the by but this I think this is pretty much sticks to the facts pretty closely. And most of the characters in it are the real people, whether they're still alive or whether they're died. The only example of that that isn't a real person is the shot, char- the character played by Charlotte Spencer, who's a fem- the only female cop in this investigation. And she is an amalgamation of three actual real-life women who worked mm. on the case. And that seems fair enough. Like, you know, th- th- there is obviously a point that she is. The way she's treated as a woman in 1980s, in the 1980s police force, is inevitably... It's uh, all a bit ashes to ashes. Yeah, it is about bit to indeed, yeah. But I think they've done just a really good job of A, recreating the 80s in a non-clunky way, even down to like the needle-drop music choices aren't the most obvious ones you'd expect. It ends with a brilliant Echo and the Bunnymen song in the first episode, which is very well used. The cast, the all-star cast is fantastic. Hugh Bonneville, I think it's, just, it's such a different role for him. Like, I can't, you know, we know he's, a, he's a, I always think he's a brilliant actor who's been kind of now, everyone thinks of him in Downton as the posh doofus Lord Mr. Grantham. Yeah. Yes. Or Mr. Brown. Yeah, or even in 2012, mm. um, you know, and and, the, and those comedies, W1A, he was still a posh kind of doofus in those. But in this, he's a more of a, you know, working class cop who's doing the right thing.
0: Is he working oh, class? Wait, he yeah, he's working? not working class. He's super, class.
1: super posh. Is he super posh? Yes. He's just, he's just he's a little bit posh. less
2: posh than he was right. in Downton. He's, okay, yeah.
1: fine. Anyway, <laughs> he's just really good. He's part? very good. <laughs> okay. He's very good. He's really good. As of, you've got Jack Loudon from, um, oh, from he's Slow Horses. Yes, um, as a, a real life character who was the guy who they went to to w- work out how to basically they with thems- themselves with literally dozens of gold bars it's a ton isn't it, it? A it's ton. a ton three, of three gold tons. bars three tons three, three tons. tons three tons, tons, tons of to gold bars swimming pools yeah. like yeah. three or four swimming pools or something and they didn't know what the fuck to do with it so they had, went to Jack Lowder's character which this all happened in real life who knew how to smelt it down and basically mix it with other metals to disperse it around the world with also help from a character played by Tom Culler the great Tom Cullen. You know Tom Cullen. I've watched the second episode, and he's he's just about in the first episode a bit, but you see more of him as it goes on. And you know he's a great, great man, great actor. So just this cast is phenomenal. Sean Harris is in it in a fairly small support role, considering he's like the villain in two Mission Impossible films. <laughs> you know, and he's he is like always amazing, and is always he's amazing in this. Dominic Cooper mm. is in it as this also another fascinating character who's a lawyer, a solicitor, a massive bell end who ends up being who ends up basically helping the money be laundered and ha- ends up creating Docklands. Literally the London Docklands was created off the back of money that was dispersed via the Brinks Matt robbery. And it literally changed you think how that changed London yeah, yeah, the Docklands. Yeah. You know, you go to Canary Wharf probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Brinksmat Robbery. So if you robbery. live
2: in the wharf yeah, and if you have mad. any gold, London gold it's from eighty four yeah, onwards, right. you'll have traces you'll of have that traces gold of it.
1: in it. So the story is extraordinary, <laughs> and I think that like, everyone does a really good job of telling it. It's great. Yeah, I was really impressed with it.
2: Everything he said. <laughs> no, um, I, I, no, I just totally agree. I just think the premise is like the fact. The, the best part of this for me, other than the stellar cast is the fact that this is based on true life and it is ridiculous it's so comical that they should stumble go in after like you know however many millions of pesetas they thought they were going to get and come out with three tons of bullion i mean it's just you can see why channel four it was the subject of a channel four comedy because it is just got that comedy element which is you know really funny yeah i do agree with everything that you've said about jack loudon and hugh bonneville i do wonder if it needs to be six episodes long Feels a bit
3: long.
1: Oh, there's do you know what? I think it, it's valid. I've watched episode two, I've started episode three. There's a lot of stories still to oh, come. Really? You'll be amazed how much more story there's. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I take it back. There's murder because you haven't even got to there's murders, there's murder, there's murder. I mean, all sorts, all sorts come to come. <laughs> yeah, it, it is an incredibly intriguing, multi layered story.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very
1: fascinating. I
0: must admit, I had Kay's thought of that. It got to the end of the first episode, I'm like, there's
3: five mm. more hours oh, of this. Honestly, yeah.
0: uh, I was, it felt, it felt, that felt a bit indulgent. But as you say, there may be more going on. Uh, but it's, it's really good. It's really riveting. Mm. It's fascinating. I, 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 the things that I was thinking when I was watching this, is like, is there like a big old warehouse somewhere where they just keep all this 80s shit lying around for when they need to make an 80s film or TV show? Sorry. Because they've got... Oh, dear.
1: Oh, dear. First
2: rule of a K's studio. Phone,
0: yeah. Unbelievable. Kay's phone goes off. Yeah. I'm going to do that again. I, the thing that I got thinking about watching this was like, is there somewhere like a big old warehouse full of 80s shit mm. for whenever they need to make an 80s set film or show? Because they've got all the cars, mm. they've got like the old 80s police cars, like all of the stuff from there. And, we, and the next show we're going to talk about, they have another approach yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. But I, I, And I was thinking, this is impressive. Like, where do they find all this 80s there stuff? There are,
1: I do believe. Funnily enough, When I was on set of Stranger Things, no less, in Atlanta, we were talked through the process of finding all the props. All the 80s paraphernalia. There are companies who brilliantly do find this stuff and keep it for 80s set TV shows and films. But a lot of the time, they just have to go on eBay. Well, just yeah. Yeah, they but literally go on. EBay. It's not as easy as uh, yeah. I'm a looking for a, a 1983 <laughs> Rover cars, police car. I think there were specialist companies that deal with the cars. Hugh Bonneville did say at the screening I went to how the one of the hardest things in all of the shooting of the series was to do car chases with those actual cars because yeah. they are literally falling apart. But they had to do it. They had <laughs> to do car with and them. also They're they can't
2: damage it. them as well. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is a nightmare. It's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But it's so the portrayal of the of the 80s was so brilliant. I'm yeah, sure. it was very very good. Very
0: good. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed this had this gave good interrogation as well. Yeah. It's a very, very good interrogation, interrogation
1: in there. Yeah. Uh, Bomberville yes.
0: interrogation. Indeed. Indeed. That was a good one. Right. Well, the gold then, which
1: comes to Where's it come Boyd? BBC One that's next Sunday the 12th of February in the um, Happy Valley slot so Happy oh. Valley finishes this Sunday and, and this the gold replaces Ugh, it. God yeah, I
2: can't, can't bear just... for Happy Valley to end there will be a wow. period of mourning. Well
1: by the time this goes out
0: it will have ended people have seen the final episode. Yeah of course.
2: Okay yeah. well consider me devastated. And yeah.
0: we'll be discussing it in Pilot Plus. We will be discussing we'll it in discuss it. Pilot Plus. The final episode of Happy Valley we'll be talking about in Thursday's Pilot Plus which we haven't seen yet. We have not no. seen it yet. They have god. withheld right. it from We're us. we to see it tomorrow. Yes, yeah, sir. Some yeah, point. <laughs> we are. We're going to see it tomorrow at some point as we record. Right. That was the gold. Finally, we have Funny Woman. This is based on the Nick Hornby book and stars Gemma Arterton as Barbara Parker, a former beauty queen trying to make it into comedy in the 1960s. And who better to talk about this one than Pilot TV's very own Funny Woman, Kay Ribeiro. <laughs> oh
2: god, oh, what a build up! There you go. S- uh, smooth.
0: smooth.
1: Yeah, very I smooth. Was good. Yeah. Good.
2: Um do you know what? I really, really like this, and I thought Gemma Arterton was fantastic as Barbara because Barbara is this gutsy, spirited lady who is so, you know, she's got this real natural comic ability and she's a natural-born performer, but her talents are totally overlooked by the fact of how she looks, right? So she's blonde, she's bubbly, she's got big boobs, so everyone obviously just kind of just generalises and just, you know, her, everyone thinks her role is to get married to the local butcher, to have kids. She's like this lovely thing to look at, a beauty pageant and has got nothing more to offer. And she's just like, no. So she sacks everything off. She works in a rock uh, rock factory in Blackpool and she decides to go to London to seek fame and fortune. She's hoping to get a chance to be on the stage. What she really soon discovers is there's as many sexist pigs in London as there are in Blackpool. And it's all about what she, how she encounters different challenges to do that. Some of them really quite hard to take. Another difficult watch in a certain way but it's about how she finally gets a break she meets a theatrical agent played by I think an unrecognisable Rupert Everett who's great as Brian Devon. I, I recognise him all right, yeah. you recognized it at first. I didn't recognize him at first. Did you recognize him? I did, James? I
0: did recognize him, yeah. but oh. it's he's under quite heavy prosthetics. Thank this, you, so. James, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Who instantly suggests she changes her name to something less provincial. She he wants Sophie Straw, Sophie Straw, and humors her desire to act, but actually just wants her to go down the route of becoming an exotic dancer or doing a peep show. So, you know, she is constantly challenged. She works in a hat department of a very posh um, department store. And it's there she meets her, an ally and friend, Marjorie from Shoes, if you will, who's played by Alexa Davies from Sneakerhead, who's also indifferent to the snobbery and the s- politics of this shop, and who helps her try and find her footing so she can get her chance to get her name, you know, noticed. And she does get the opportunity at the end of episode one. But I just thought it was really fun. I thought the portrayal of the 60s was really good. I wasn't Loving the, they have these excerpts of like footage.
0: Oh God, they're which awful. felt
2: very abrupt so,
0: and... No, but it's not just that. It's that, that. So instead of going to, as Boyd said, the shop slash warehouse yeah. where they have all the 1960s stuff, what they did was they got old sort of like. Footage. Film footage yeah. of the '60s and then green screen Gemma Artisan know, into I them, know. so you see this old sort of like grainy celluloidy picture of like Harnaby Street, and then there's kind of like this awfully composited Gemma Artisan sort of running across it. And you're like, oh dear, that was a bad choice.
2: Yeah, and also there was this, um, there's this sort of like this spinning camera uh, yeah. thing which just yeah. didn't
0: yeah. what like the transitions in Batman. Yeah, kind
2: of, but less cool. Yeah. Yeah, but other other than that, I really enjoyed it. And I just really I just thought it was really sort of empowering as well as entertaining to see this woman sort of fighting the misogyny, trying to like ensure that she, she's unapologetically herself she's fighting to have her voice heard you know she's as funny as the guys out there her comedy idols Lucille Ball and she thinks she can make it so why not so mm-hmm. yeah I think it was really powerful
0: it's interesting that every show we've talked about this week is about how shit it is to be a woman that's basically mm-hmm. what
2: there was a theme this the week it's the theme of this yeah. episode uh, how shit it is to be a woman and
0: how shit men are how shit men are yes 100%. Yeah. the first
1: episode reminded me of Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho Yeah. because it's like a similar yeah. era and she's going to similar places Yes. Like the Talk of the town and all these mm-hmm. things, and meeting similar horrendous Belen men. Yeah, Um and it's literally almost like it almost could have gone like one way I was like this. Go down and they right, horror. Film. Very much so, <laughs> and then, very much. So. And then suddenly at the end. Now I've read the book, by the way, which is funny um, girl, not funny woman. Funny girl, not funny yeah. woman. Nick Cumber's original book, so I knew it wasn't going to be like that. But I just thought the way it was filmed, and and, and there's a no, actually that's a spoiler, sorry. But there's look, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I was thinking oh, this is this is this is quite this is being slightly hard hit, more hard hitting. I felt that when I read the book. book I read the book quite. A long time ago now, so I don't remember in that much detail. But what it by the time by the end of episode one, then it veers into mm. then it becomes nolly because it's about the making of TV yeah. and the making of a TV sitcom in the sixties, and that that's like count me in yeah. because I just think that's really in, and that's what I loved in the book. The book does get into a really brilliant kind of recreation of what it was like, and I know he heavily researched it to make TV in that period and to make a hit sitcom and what it would be like for her to become this household name the star what it's like for the writers and producers and all of that they've made in this TV interesting they've made those characters so the, um, the producers are played by Asha Ali the writers are played by Matthew Beard and Leo Bill and they all have kind of identity th- things about their identity that is, that's slightly different from the book um, but that's a really good invention by Moena Banks who has written this series and done a fantastic job I think of turning what's quite a when I first heard that they were doing this series having read the book I was like that's interesting it could be quite difficult because in a book, to be to feel authentic is, I think. I mean, he does a great job, but I think it's easier than in a TV series. And in fact, what you're talking about those clunky. Mean? I think to get the detail right on on you know on on some I don't not on a budget, but on a TV budget of of making TV without having been there and experiencing it mm. is hard it's just hard but they think they do it brilliantly I just I, I, and also going around the West End in the 1960s yeah, which cost
0: Edgar Wright quite a lot of money right. yeah. <laughs> all
1: of the, yeah to make a period this period thing about such a specific world and a recognisable place yeah I think it's hard I do yeah. think it's hard I do feel um, like
2: the budget was big though their the oh. promo shots for this were very lavish
1: yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure. Actually, I'm sure it has got big, uh, uh, as probably as bigger budget. But but James is right about those weird that. Di- and that's more of a creative decision is to show those um, mm. footage to have that footage incorporated into it, which I agree is a bit clunky. But apart from that, I think Miranda Banks has done a brilliant job adapting it. It's a, a gem isn't
2: she well t- cast? Very, she's very
1: very good in this. And um, it's 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 really interesting. And, and more than I think you know, I think more than being good fun and quite light. Actually, it's 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 got stuff to say about. Celebrity and TV and all of that—it's interesting and, and being, a, particularly being a woman in that world.
0: I'd say, yeah, there's, there are some. So we say there's a, there's certainly one shocking scene in this mm. which seems slightly at odds with the subject matter. It's it's fascinating. She—I've never read the book myself, but I think she is, as you say, perfectly cast in this role and does an incredible job of doing it. It's just you know, it, it it's funny. It makes you sad. It also triggered quite profoundly triggered my Fremsheim. There's a bit where she does an audition and she goes into her she goes into full accent mode and I and I actively, <laughs> actively hid my face with my hands.
2: Wait, 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 wait. This is coming from the guy who's attempted yeah. three accents True. this podcast. Yeah, yeah, but
0: that's that's if it was Fremsheim, that's being embarrassed on behalf of other people. So that would trigger yours. I mean it, <laughs> it did that, That's fine.
2: I mean that's why I was in the fetal position in the <laughs> that's corner. That's absolutely fine, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <don't> <laughs> <you excruciate,
0: laughs> it, it, it didn't embarrass yeah. me. It yeah. embarrassed you. Yeah. Uh,
2: Second hand embarrassment.
0: Yes indeed exactly that it has to be vicarious embarrassment but uh, that is in fact Funny Woman which comes to Sky, Sky Comedy Max.
1: Sky Max is it Max yes. it's not Sky Comedy no oh. I think because it's
0: not funny enough it's clearly not an hour, no, it's an hour. a drama it's comedy, comedy drama, drama right? and it's like hour long 45 minute oh. episodes that Funny so. Woman then on Sky Max which is on the 9th of February <laughs> correct also out this week is the return of Netflix's you which is one of our most beloved shows. This takes serial stalker Joe Goldberg to London, and it is embargoed. So that one will be tackled on this week's Pilot Plus. Uh, This week also, as we've mentioned, heralded the final episode of Happy Valley, which we'll be getting into in spoiler fashion on Pilot Plus as well. But what else have we missed? Oh, do you know what? I forgot to mention something. Oh, go on. I should mention this right now. You remember our dearly departed Terry White? She's not dead. She just left for the podcast. But uh, (laughs) you remember she used to talk about having her TV on tick? Yeah. Where you put money yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. In this yes, show, yes. Barbara oh, yeah. has a TV on tick. tick. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, it's a TV on tick where they yeah. have to put money in to make the telly work. And I was like, oh, made me think of Terry. Extraordinary, yeah. Extraordinary <laughs> scenes. Yeah. What else is on this week, Boydie?
1: Um, what else is on? That's the Rookie Feds. The Rookie Feds starts on Sky Witness now on Wednesday at 9 o'clock. And it is, uh, after five scenes of The Rookie, this is a new spin-off. From the rookie, and I think will be probably a huge hit in America as well as here.
2: Can you turn the page back?
1: Can I turn the page back? Yes, okay.
2: Is that Clarkson's? I've got to tell you, I watched um, Clarkson's Farm. I know you'll roll your eyes, James, but I used to. We're all
1: rolling our eyes. But
2: no, I used to really like the show, and obviously, you know he's a raging bellend but I overlooked it because it was you know it was a fascinating show about farming I know that sounds like an oxymoron but it's not and now because of his recent tirade I was thinking fuck I'm going to fuck this off right because I can't watch it it would have literally been a guilty pleasure but I did watch the first episode just to you know because there are characters in there that I really liked and I did find it interesting but I don't know if I can continue
1: hasn't he been fired I thought he'd been fired I don't think they'll work with him again Yeah, I think he's effectively I think this will will be the the last series yeah I think so yeah. I what mean, I, it...
2: I like it for Caleb, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But just to alert anyone who does like the show, hates hates him, yeah. but still likes the show, it is on.
1: It is on, yeah. It's Def- back, that's Series definitely, 2. Definitely like, definitely not a James.
2: No, it's not. No, but, it's you know, not. people do watch I, it. I, mean,
1: I've never, I can never stand. No, I even, I. even before, he was neither... revealed to be a raging... <laughs> no, no, he's always
2: <laughs> been a twat, right? But someone recommended it to me and said, no, I think you really like
1: it. I know. I you know,
2: know, and so um, yeah. I, I was open-minded, I gave it a go.
1: Yeah. There's a, sh- a new um, drama called North Sea Connection on BBC4 which was started on Saturday um, which is supposed to be uh, really good with Kerr Logan from Game of Thrones. But there isn't that much on this week. I'm no, say, yeah. there isn't. Yeah.
0: We've covered it's most of it. It's all about Happy Valley. <gasps> it is. It is finale. the finale of Happy Valley. So, what's our pick of the week?
2: Mine easily, Consent.
0: Mine also, Consent, which I think is a very important watch. It is, but... But you love the gold.
1: I love. I really, I really like Funny Woman as well. I might go for Funny Woman just because I think it's yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's really good. Well, funny but also, Woman
2: is good, but I just
1: it's it, it doesn't fit into any genre. Of funny, I should have said this in the review. So now I'm banging on about it again, and you want to finish the podcast. But I like I that's why I'm one of the most things that most it's Best about it is Sky to commission a show that's kind of completely not like any other show, a little bit like Mrs. Maisel, having said that, but not much, but different. It's like not yeah, it doesn't it really fit is into like any... Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, so, so, no, so quite like another show. <laughs>
2: She's a stand up, though.
1: There's, this is more focused on, you know, once someone who becomes a big TV sitcom star. I yeah. think it's different enough. It's very... I think it's pretty unique. So, yeah. Pretty unique. Pretty unique. Slightly I know. unique. <laughs> a Almost bit unique. Unique, <laughs> <laughs> unique of
0: course, <laughs> in no way being a binary state. Right. <laughs> and on that note of dodgy grammar, let's end this particular podcast. Uh, as ever, we live and die by your Apple podcast review. So please do swing by and leave us a five-star rating. And while you're there, feel free to follow us on the old socials at Pilot TV Pod, as well as at James C. Dyer, at K. Ribeiro and at Boyd Hilton. Next week, I think it's safe to say will be the single greatest of all episodes of this show as not only does Picard return for its oh, third God. and final season, but we have the second and final Carnival Roadback as well. And I know for a fact that Kate is absolutely champing at the bit Ooh, to get feel, into those. Do you know
2: what? I feel some, like, some gastroenteritis coming on. I think <laughs> I'll be all for that one.
0: Klingons and militant fairies. What's not to love? Pilot out.